Hello listener, welcome to the long-awaited Lothlorien Army Review episode. Now, I need to apologize, first of all, for this. Uh, the sound quality in this episode is not great, especially in the first hour and 20 minutes or so. I should know how to set up my microphone by now, but clearly I don't. So my apologies for that. I was considering uh, just removing this episode and starting again, but I really did enjoy it going through the editing. So we're going to keep it, we're going to release it, and we'll use the time instead of recording this again to release another episode at some point. Thank you for listening, and if it gets too much, we'll be back sometime in the future. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Green Dragon Podcast. I'm your host, Matt, and I have here with me today, Kylie. Hello, hello. And Jeremy. Hello again, Matt. Hello again, Kylie. Good to talk to both of you. Absolutely. It's been it's been yonks, hasn't it? It's been absolutely ages. Oh, I'm glad we're all back together. Well, look, I'm still recovering from that Isengard episode, man. My voice is, is just to only come back. That was a long one. I spent a whole day editing that one. I hope everybody enjoyed it. All, all the feedback that I've got, guys, has been really positive about our Isengard episode. So we're doing something right. Excellent, excellent. I, I've got good news as well. Every single listener that listened to it has contacted me and, and said that, yes, the audio wasn't the best, but they really enjoyed the episode. So it's really good hearing from the three of you. That's really good. I'm glad that everybody was able to um, get over that or get, get through it and uh, hear the actual content that we're putting out there. Because I know there's good content somewhere deep inside these episodes, and I hope everybody <laughs> enjoys listening through all the other stuff so that they can hear it. And speaking of... Today we're going to be talking about uh, something that we've been we've had requested from I, I don't know if it was several viewers or a single viewer who was particularly adamant, but uh, all three of them, all three of our viewers have requested Lothlorien, and so we're going to be talking about Lothlorien today. Lothlorien, really interesting list because I think a lot of people underestimate it, and hopefully we're able to change some minds today, Kylie. Yes, yes, I have been delving into these guys recently, and I have to say. I have been very, very impressed by them. They are they are a sleeper faction, I think. They're they're a faction that you don't immediately think are gonna be really good. And then you see and then they get onto the table and they proceed to smack you around. Mm. They're the kind of faction that everyone wants to be good as well, because they they they're always popular when they do the re-releases of those by Haldir's elves. The armor's very distinctive and very cool. You've got the very famous characters with Galadriel and Caliborn and some of the others held you around. So it's it's a an army list that I think a lot of people want to know is in good hands and want to know that is something that they can play. So that's definitely a positive. Yeah, 100% agree, Jeremy, 100% agree. So do you guys want to just dive straight into it and get straight into Nothine? Mm-hmm, yes. All right. For sure, let's do it. Know thine enemy. Lothlorien Home of the race of Sylvan Elves, the great woodland realm of Lothlorien has long resisted the taint of evil. Lying on the western banks of the Anduin, Lothlorien spans the spaces between the golden melon trees and can trace its history back to the very earliest of times. Unlike the twisted forests of Mirkwood, the boughs of Lothlorien provide a sanctuary of peace and healing 
a place where only the closest allies of the elves are welcomed. Within the heart of Lothlorien lies the great tree city of Calas Galaton, home to Galadriel, the Lady of Light, and Lord Caliborn. Galadriel is a mighty sorceress, an elf of immense and terrifying power. There are few in Middle-earth who would dare to stand against her. She is the Keeper of Nenya, one of the three elven rings of power, and has ever opposed the machinations of the Dark Lord. Wise and noble, Caliborn has provided Lady Galadriel with vital counsel in the years since the Last Alliance. Together, the Lord and Lady of Lothorian are mighty adversaries to the Dark Lord's designs upon Middle-earth, perhaps the only ones he truly fears. However, Lothorian cannot be kept safe by the magics of Galadriel alone. It is through the martial prowess of the Galadrim that the Woodland Realm has been kept free of orcs and other foul creatures. Equal to the skills of their kin in Rivendell and Mirkwood, the Elves of Lothlorien have protected their borders for hundreds of years, keeping their glades and forests free from the corrupting influence of Sauron. Many of the Galadrim clad themselves in golden armour in honour of the Malorn, before entering into battle, their plate gleaming in the sun that filters through the lush leaf canopy and radiates a brilliant light. Others prefer to don no armour at all, making them much more nimble than their armoured counterparts, and allowing them to sneak up on enemy forces and slay them without so much as a sound. The greatest warriors within the armies of Lorien are the guard of the Galadrim court, a band of elite warriors whose deeds are stuff of legend. Tasked with the defence of Karas Galathon, the great tree city shall not fall as long as she is defended by her guard. As the sun begins to set on the Third Age, the elves prepare to stand alongside the free peoples in the defence of Middle-earth, now as they have always done. Alright, let's waste no time at all here, guys. Kylie, I want you to start us off with the Queen of Lothlorien herself. Alright, we have Big Bad Galadriel. Well, maybe not Big Bad Galadriel, but regular, vanilla, plain old, piece de resistance Galadriel. 130 points straight off the bat. She has the Elf Lorien Infantry and Hero keyword, and she is a Hero of Legends, so she also gets that free auto pass courage once uh once per game uh her characteristics are a move value of six uh fight six shoot value of three plus she is strength three defense three she has one attack three wounds and courage seven for heroic stats she has three might six will and three fate and now we get to the good stuff the really good stuff her special rules and war gear for war gear she's unarmed but she does have the ring nenya which allows her to re-roll her fate rolls which is very 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 handy for heroic actions she has heroic resolve heroic channeling and heroic defense so a little bit of utility there we would like a bit more but we can deal with what we've got there Options, she has the Mirror of Galadriel for 25 points, and this is probably the, one of the main reasons why you'd be taking uh, Galadriel, is, is for her Mirror. So her Mirror is a heavy object with a defense of 8 and 3 wounds. It is deployed within 6 inches of Galadriel at the start of the game. For scenarios that require both armies to move onto the board, any models within Galadriel's warband may carry the Mirror onto the board. During the end phase of each turn, one friendly hero within six inches of the mirror may restore their fate to their starting value. So there are some very handy uh, shenanigans you can do this with uh, with this uh, option, and you can you can almost build your list around it as well. Next, she also has one of the the little uh, unit upgrade uh, little special additions to her profile. So if your army includes Galadriel, you can 
upgrade any amount of Gladrum Warriors or Gladrum Knights to Gar Gladrum Guard, I believe it is, and they have a courage of six. You're never doing that ever. Pretty much never. I, I don't think I've ever seen anyone no, do it. No, no, no. Maybe if you have a point left over. <laughs> but, you know, that that's kind of whatever. So for her special rules, she has Terra, as all the lineage of the Firstborn do have, uh, Woodland Creature, and Lady of Lothlorien, her, probably her cornerstone special rule. Uh, Galadriel may expend a single will point each turn without reducing her own store. So th this is... This is what makes her a quintessential caster. Her, you're kind of your backline support. For magical powers, she has Blinding Light on a 2+, Blessing on the Valor on a 3+, with range 12, Immobilize on a 3+, with range 12, and Command on a 4+, at range 12 as well. So, pretty good profile for a backline caster, if I do say so myself. I agree with that. I think it's it's at a point where you can definitely afford her. I, I notice the mirror being a heavy object means it can be moved around, so that some of the, the sneaky stuff that you're trying to pull off in earlier editions might not be as easy to do, but I kind of like that, that it can be transported. Yeah, so that that's really cool, and that is really good if you have lots of heroes as well. So the mirror, being able to, to get fate value back to the starting value means that, that for once you can throw away your fate at the first wound and just keep keep bringing them back. So that's that that's nice. You can also kill the mirror if you want as well. So if you're strong enough, you can you can knock it out, which is which is nice. You've got options there as well. What I find with Gladriel is that that her fight six is is really quite handy at times. Her courage seven is just just amazing. Her spells are all quite good. She's got a good mixture, not a lot, but a good mixture. But she's also quite soft, even though she has the three wounds, three fate, and the reroll fate points. I find that once she gets hit in combat and is in a bad spot, like anything that's got the ability to to get some more wounds tends to take her out as well. So she ha you have to protect her. She she you don't want to be doing fights unless it's absolutely optimistic for you as well, especially being unarmed as well. So you you're not you're basically using it if you need to to build in another attack and some some fight value. But yeah, she she's I, I for the spells especially the blinding light means that that yeah you can help win the shooting war. Blessings of Valor. Which one's that again, Kylie? That's the one I don't use a whole lot. Uh, that's the Restore Fate. So that one, uh, you've also got the Mirror. So, uh, yeah. yeah. If, if that's the case, we'll have to check that over again. That one, that's probably why I don't use it a whole lot. But Immobilize and Command are some of my favorite spells as well. But then again, that's not a huge amount to, to put as well. So I don't think she's compulsory. Hero of Legends always handy to have, have one in there. But I guess you don't want her being your champion in Contest of Champions either. Yeah. So. Is it mixed blessing sometimes? Yeah, that that's that in particular is rough. The contest of champions, but I, I would say you've pointed out that yeah, she she's not particularly survivable from a pure stat line perspective, but she does have that heroic defense. So with heroic defense, three wounds, three fate, and the ability to gain all of her fate back the following turn potentially, she could mm, take yeah, out true. three turns pretty comfortably um, against almost anything. She's excellent against like things that are just scratching her up and doing like one wound at a time. Yeah, she's absolutely. Yeah. yeah, if you can flash kill her and do six wounds, not a problem. Yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, so basically, she turns into the kind of character you, you really don't want her to get trapped. So if you're playing kind of this front to back style, she can fill in a role as an off tank. The, the problem um, I find with her though is that if, if you're up the front, kind of you know stalling a captain or or some sort of, you know, low damage hero that, that doesn't have much oomph 
with their with their attacks. Uh, maybe even a Hashrin, I could see a possibly stalling out because they only got the three attacks. But basically, anything that doesn't have loads of modifiers or rerolls, you can sit in front of. The downside is when she's up the front, she's vulnerable at being charged and blocking out her ability to cast powers. Because the real reason why you're bringing Galadriel to the table is to drop down, you know, that blinding light and throw down those immobilizers and commands in those clutch situations. That's why you really want her, is as a reliable spellcaster that you know you're going to have the whole game. Because unlike with, you know, your wizard profiles and, and some of the other casters in the game that have a finite resource pool, Gladual will always have access to that will point simply because of the fact she can't have her, her special rule taken away. She can't lose her staff. It can't be shattered. It can't be your staff is broken. She will always have access to that free point of will, which is really, really good in kind of long, grindy games, which, you know, Gladrum will make happen with, with the amount of shielding they have in the list. Yeah, and, and going on that, Kylie, I think you've made a point there. You almost bring the list around her for that reason. So if you're taking her, you're designing a list to play that long game because you do not want a short game with her because you're not getting any bonus whatsoever. I think your bonus, though, um, the army bonus also makes her pretty good where she, there's a great sorceress in the woods, which is, of course, her. We know that. That's a spoiler. So friendly Lorian models, which she is friendly and she's a Lorian model, Game resistant to magic special. This is really nice as well because one of the reasons to we or one of the ways we used to cut a um, effectiveness down was to sap will or just target her with magic powers. So she had to use her will to resist that. But now the resistance to magic means she's probably got some will left over as well. So that that's pretty handy, but it's also incredibly handy on the rest of the army as well, Matt. Yeah, definitely. I think that resistance to magic on on uh, Galadriel in particular is is pretty huge. Because it, it means you just have that free one to resist with rather than constantly having to use your own free one potentially to prevent your opponent from, you know, just transfixing you and stopping your 130 points of free magic in place, which would obviously not be ideal. So, uh, like, on, on these big heroes, that's where the resistant to magic really comes into play. But as you say, really nice to have it everywhere as well and, and to force your opponent to really think about their spells because it's going to be tough for them to get stuff through. They're going to have to really focus things down and probably throw more dice at uh, spells than they would like to. What I love about Galadriel is she really gets a lot of bang for her buck out of her uh, unique heroic actions in Resolve Channeling and Defense because she's one of the few characters where you actually don't mind having Resolve or Channel on her. Because she's always playing that kind of backline support role, she will actually, you know, wouldn't won't mind throwing her might and committing it to a channel because what else is she going to use it for? She's not really going to be using it for combat shenanigans. She's not really going to be using it to to to, to boost and modify her her, her dice rolls in combat or to get to wounds. She wants to be using it to, to enable her spells and and using that, you know heroic channeling and at times even heroic resolve to get up to two free dice on on their on the enemy spell casts can be really really helpful there's nothing like a, a, a you know a channel to command coming over the top to pull a guy for, forward when and reduce their fight value to a point where you can glad and guard can just stacks onto them because you know once you've reduced the model's fight value by half glad and guard beat everything yeah i think if you're worried about a particular spell she is the kind of model where you would drop a heroic resolve, like there's not too many downsides to it. She doesn't need to be in a combat, she doesn't necessarily need to be moving around. She can just be in the right place and drop that resolve 
on the turn that you think that your opponent is looking at doing something. Uh, for instance, I, I don't know if Thrandall still has it, but Thrandall's um, Nature's Wrath that he had the free one, that'd be a great opportunity to drop a heroic resolve um, when he's about to, when you think he's about to do that or, or something along those lines. Or, or even a, a, a Wrath of Ruin, yeah. um, any of the... Um, uh, yeah, El, El Rondoral. Rivendell yeah. ones. Yeah. Also, when if your opponent is at that awkward range where... You know, you, you squared off at about, you know, 10 to, to 9 inches away from your opponent and your opponent has spell beasts. They're going to want to look for a, a compel in that turn, you know, compel forward a model, charge in, dive over the top. Sometimes throwing a resolve down can be really handy just to block that out and just make it really difficult for them to get an engage. Because in those kind of situations, buying a turn where they are forced to either try to overcommit their resources and either and potentially fizzle the spell or... Um, back off a turn and not go in for, for their dive and they, they compel charge shenanigans can be really, really useful and can help you uh, maintain your presence on the table. Yeah, that, that's right. That's right. Glad you're, you can definitely find a use for her. She's such an iconic model and, and one that's been around since the first age as well. So sometimes I like to find a use for her. I sort of wish the other Galadriel profile was in here as well, but you can't have everything. You've got to ally that in if you want. So the next one we have up, though, is Caliborn. Of course, another Alp, her, her husband here, for 130 points, the same points, but this guy's always going to cost more, probably. So he's moved six, fight six with the three-plus shoot value that you don't use, uh, strength of four, defense of four, three attacks, three wounds, courage seven, and three, 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 might well fate. Unarmed, initially, but you have the options of heavy armor for ten, Alvin made hand and half sword, which which you're definitely going to take for five points. Shield for five points. I would almost always go for all three of those, but if you want to go cheaper, which I don't know why, just take the sword. And then he's got the heroic actions, which are somewhat useful. You've got heroic channeling, which uh, okay, maybe, maybe there's an opportunity time to use heroic strike. Yes, definitely useful. Definitely very useful. Heroic defense. Especially useful if you you don't have the heavy armor, but definitely useful at times as well. You, you never complain about having a heroic defense in the back pocket. And if you include Caliborn, you can upgrade for the same thing as Galadriel. You can upgrade the Galadrim Guard for a cost of one point per model. It's just, it's something that, that you rarely do. There's better options for, for getting high courage around. You've already got such high courage. Unless you know full well that you are taking on, say, an all Wraith army or something like that. I can't see you really take that option very often. It's a cool theme, but maybe not so great in terms of the game. But then again, if you just make six guards, six points, who cares? Special rules, a terror, great. Woodland creature, also great. Lord of the West, amazing. I love Lord of the West. So he's one of the few Lords of the Rest. So re-rolling uh, the dual roll and also re-rolling to wound or die if you want to. That's that's so, so good. It means his three attacks are really uh, doing work. And he's a Lord of Lorien, which gives him a stand fast of 12 inches which, once again, you don't complain about. Elves aren't so worried about courage, but you can never be upset about having having a bonus to that for free. And magic powers. He's got a few magic powers, which people often forget about, and, and I'm guilty of this as well, because he's only got the three will, and I often save that will for resisting magic. But his magic powers, or of command, if you really, really want to command well and pass some courage tests on a 2+, plus, uh, yeah, especially in an allied army, that can be okay, but maybe in a pure list, not so much. Enchanted Blades is pretty handy if something must die. So 6-inch range, 3-plus to cast, nice and easy to cast. And Immobilize at 12 inches, 3-plus, always useful, especially at that opportunistic time when you're taking on something that has no will to resist it and you just want to freeze it for a turn or channel and kill it. 
Uh, I actually find that ch channel on um, Caliborn is actually really handy, particularly for his Enchanted Blades, because one of kind of the weak points in uh, Lothorian is they don't have a lot of high strength, high damage models with, you know, lots of modifiers to wound. They, they get their, their kill potential from their Enchanted Blade special rule, and the fact that you have a 3 might 3 will character that does have access to Enchanted Blades can be really, really clutch in some cases. When you really need to go in and kill a, kill a troll, you know, you, you pop an Enchanted Blades down on, on Caliborn, or if you, do, you can't get to the combat, maybe a Rumor or a Haldi, run in with, you know, um, the three or the two attacks, doubling up to six if you can um, get that trap in, and suddenly, you know, you, you can be wounding on fours and fives, rerolling all failed attempts, and that can do some real damage. I, I really like this spell on Kelebon because it gives the Galadrim something that they kind of don't have otherwise, which is, is really, really nice. I actually think you're most likely, maybe I'm, maybe I'm overestimating here, but I think you're most likely to cast on a Galadrim captain on the charge. That seems like a, uh, a time when you're probably going to get the most benefit out of it when you really need to knock out a, uh, a particularly strong hero. But yeah, as you say, good on all of these heroes, and even on a perhaps a charging knight, uh, if you're just in the right situation for it. How, a sentinel? Yeah. Uh, even even just a two-handed Galadrim warrior going, you know, two-handed two -handed can, can be enough at, at times to get that just that little bit of extra chip damage on a particularly vital mm. combat, say on an objective on the last turn, you know, you got a will point left, throw an enchanted blades. Like what 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 can hurt? If if you know it's gonna be the last turn, throw it out. It, it can it can change your game. Absolutely. And give you a uh, give you get you a wound in when you otherwise weren't expecting to get that wound. Yeah, could be clutch. Mm. Yeah. And look the the the, the last bonus of enchanted blades is of course that there's no opportunity to resist it. So that that can be particularly handy. Some games you go in and you really don't have much of a chance of your magic going off because of the, the resist potential, which is sort of ironic with this army has that resist potential. But it's really nice to have a, a spell that you can work around instead of relying on your opponent to throw dice against. So that, that is very nice and, and gives you some extra options there. But I wanted to just mention something here. I know online there's been a bit of discussion about uh, giving someone like Caliborn a horse, which I, I'm definitely not against that idea. Is, is he worth it without a horse, Kylo, do you think? Or is he one that, that would benefit from it? I, I have, I've played a, quite a few games with him recently, some practice games before Minimize, games at Minimize, and then a game uh, this evening uh, as it happens. I actually really like Caliborn. I think he is, he is really good. Would a horse be nice? Yes, but the fact that he doesn't have a horse does, does two things. One, uh, it kind of makes people underestimate him a little bit. They don't expect him to do as well as he, he does do. Because at the end of the day, he's still an Elven Lord with the Lord of the West. So he's still, you know, dishing out four attacks worth of, of, of potential damage out each turn. But most importantly, that 25 mil base is surprisingly helpful. It allows you to get into nooks and crannies on the table that you otherwise can't get a model sometimes that, that would be on a horse. And in particular, it limits the surface area against you, which means other heroes on horse or monsters as well, particularly monsters, really struggle to sometimes get into Caliborn. And Caliborn can be really frustrating to have to pin down because of his small base. His small base in this instance actually works for him, particularly with the abundance of fight six within the list from the Galadrian Court Guard. You can duck and weave him out of combats and put him in positions that really kind of keep him safe and keep him protected. That, you know, when you're on a horse, you don't get that availability because you, you have a bigger base. 
Yeah, I understand that, and I definitely agree. And also brings things like Shield into play. But that said, I would not be against at all him giving a horse, especially because he's got this heavy armor option. I understand that, that a pajama Caliborn probably is not going to be riding a horse a whole lot into battle. But I, if there's any character in this list that deserved a horse, I think it would be him. So I agree with the people online. I would love to see a Caliborn on a horse. Yeah. But I, I think he's playable without it as well, and you can use that to your advantage at times. Definitely playable without it. I, I I rate him really highly now. He's he's not the he's not the kind of character that will go in and win games immediately or, or flash kill out a hero, um, you know, with a straight up charge. But he's a grinding hero. He's he's a hero that you know plays the slow and steady game. You know, is just a reliable chipping out one one kill a turn. You know, being that anchor and that solid center point to your army. That's what he's there to do. Yeah. So. While he's a very strong hero, I actually really agree that it would be nice to be able to give him a horse. But you're right, Kylie. He doesn't necessarily need it. It's just one of those things where you don't have that big hero on the horse in the list, and it does kind of feel like detrimental to the list because of that at times. Yeah. It's it's a different playstyle within the list. The list doesn't really actually lend itself, I've found, uh, to cavalry as, as much as other lists do because their cavalry isn't particularly as... Uh, potent or is hitty. Mm. Um, they don't have that that damage that that sheer oomph on the charge that say Rohan or Delamroth or Wags do. So you're playing this kind of this infantry sheer wall grindy kind of match, and Kelhorn fits really well into that. And he's kind of he's kind as I said he's the anchor. He's he's the center point to to your army that you pivot around and. That's what he's, he's really good at doing. Yeah. In, in some ways, it's kind of like a character thing with the list. And I, I don't really don't... Like Jeremy says, it'd be nice, but I don't mind that he doesn't have it. I think I, I think we're all kind of in agreement on that. It's kind of just... Yeah. It, it is what it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, okay. All right. We'll move on to the next hero, who is Rumul. He is an elf in Lorien infantry hero. He is a hero of fortitude. He has move 6, fight 6, 3 plus shoots, don't think you'll be using that, strength 4, defense 7, 2 attacks, 2 wounds, and courage 6, and he's got that classic 3-1-1 for his might, will, and fate. He has heavy armor, an elven-made sword, notably not a hand-and-a-half sword, and a shield. Uh, his heroic action uh, is heroic defense, so everybody so far has had heroic defense, which means that your heroes uh, can really block out a, a sort of big charge from your opponent for a turn or two or three even. Uh, really interesting that, I think. Uh, and he can also have an Elven Cloak for five points, which is cool. I don't know if he had that option before, but um, that's pretty interesting. His special rules are Woodland Creature, of course. I think everything in this list has Woodland Creature, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, everything in the list yeah, does. everything does. And Swift Parry, which is his special rule. Rumul may force one enemy model in the same fight as him to re-roll a single d6 for the dual roll. This must be done before any might points are used. So this is like an anti-banner, and it, I actually really like the way that they changed it for numerous reasons, but primarily because in the previous rule set, you had to re-roll all sixes that you rolled. So it was... It was kind of like a shade, but even yeah. better. It, it was like you could throw him into practically anything and have a really good chance of winning that fight or at least forcing might out of your opponent. And, like, you'd come up against Rumor and you're like, oh, gee, I hope I roll a five. Like, how many other models in the game can you say that about? I hope I roll a five instead of a six. 
it was a very strange rule, and I think the way that they've done it, where it's more of a like reverse banner effect, and I, I think you mentioned this when we were talking about this earlier, Kylie. Uh, he, it's exactly the same as in um, Battle Companies. Is that right? There is a special rule in Battle Companies yeah. that's exactly the same, and I think it has the same name even. Yeah, Swift Parry or Parry. It's not Swift Parry. It's just uh, regular old Parry. Well, he's got the Swift one. I really like it as a rule, and he's just this kind of hero. You can chuck him in the front line. You know that he's going to probably be knocking out enemy troops, and he can go up against enemy heroes and have a pretty decent chance of beating just about anybody because of that special rule. And the fact that he has heroic defense, he can just take his time with things, which is really, really cool. If your opponent is coming at you with something that is likely to like try and rip through your army, he's a good guy that can go in there and sort of block it out, potentially. Uh, and then you, you can also throw up all of these other like effects that we've got with the previous two heroes we've mentioned. So you, you can restore his will with the mirror, you can give him the enchanted blade so he can hit a bit harder. I think he just works really well within the context of the list. Mm, yeah, he's he's it, look. The, the rules are great, great, great. He doesn't have strike, but he's got defense. He's he's a really good tank, especially with that that swift parry rule. He just just can annoy guys and just grind them out. Uh, the biggest gripe I have with this guy is it's the uh, the the worse the model looks, the better the rules they get. Like these mm. this guy, if you have a look at him, they always take him in a photo of the angle so you can't see his arms. They do that on purpose because one of the arms is literally double the length of the others, the other one. So the one that, that's bent with that sword. That length, that from the el- shoulder to the elbow, is the same length as the entirety of the other arm, which is which is just craziness. I don't know how they managed to get that through. So if you can if you can hold him on that angle, he looks fine at that angle. So whenever you play him, you've got to sort of play on this two D plane where you can only see him from that angle, and then you're all fine. But other than that, if you turn a face, if it's just it's just almost disgusting what's happening with it with room also. Uh, I secretly dream that they would release another one. They're never going to do that. So um, I think I'm going to take a sword to mine and, and combine it with a plastic bottle and actually get the proportions right so that so I can take this guy fried again because I tend to leave him at home just for that reason. Yeah, make sure you capture his good side when you take a photo. <laughs> it's interesting, though, because one of the things like I find with Rumble is he's really good at dueling enemy enemy heroes. Like He doesn't like going into too many. But he's really good at punching just a little bit above his weight. So going into something like an Aragorn, a Gothmog, even even trolls at times, he's good at fighting them one-on-one because his parry is able to, to push them out. And he's really good at taxing resources off your opponent. Because of that swift parry, people are more likely to want to might into a combat win rather than trying to re-roll and chase it. And one of the other really cool like little interactions with his Swift Parry special rule is that you can use that re-roll to lock out um, your opponent's re-rolls. So particularly if you're up against uh, something that has a low amount of attacks, you can parry something so that they can't might it up later. And you can do some really funky stuff with that um, and, you know, get get wins that you might not be able to to get or possibly even burn a couple of extra might points that your opponent might not be willing to spend. Yeah, for sure. I, I think um, he... Honestly, the thing about Rumel that I, I feel and, and why I personally haven't taken him much in the past is he still doesn't quite have that hitting potential. So I, I think you really do need to have Kelleborn with him to be able to get that. And he sort of, he forces you into a certain grindy, a little bit defensive play style at times. That's At least that's how I feel about Rumel. Would you guys agree with that? 
Honestly, I, I feel that's I feel that's a bit harsh for Rimmel. Like mm-hmm. the 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 paradigm of the the Lothmorian list isn't isn't one to be constantly smacking out a a, a bucket ton of damage. They're they're a grindy list, and Rimmel works really well in that. He's his sole goal is to take as many might points off your opponent as physically possible, and he's really really good at doing that. And if by chance you can get into the late game, fight six is usually enough to be able to punch his punch your way through the remainder of your opponent's force. Fight six is kind of that weird weird spot where once once enough stats have been taken off the board and once all the strikes are off the board, fight six will usually carry the day for you. And add in swift parry on top of that is 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 phenomenal with that. He's yeah, he's He's not he's not there to coup de gras an enemy hero. He's he's there to either help, say, a Caliborn or a Haldir win the combat and then for them to kill him, kill them. Or he's there to, to as I said before, grind out stats, take away some might points, you know, be a be a magnet that your opponent is trying to, you know, throw spells at. He's there to draw attention and he's really good at doing it. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. And he's bargain basement. He's like eighty-five points. So like, why wouldn't you? Yeah. Well, bargain basement for an elf, I suppose. <laughs> for an elf hero. I mean, eighty points for that's a really good costed profile to like. On top of a captain, like your captain's coming in at seventy-five. Ten extra points, you're getting swift parry and defense. Like, and, and an a, extra and mind point. Like, yeah. why? That that is that is worth every penny you spend on. Mm. And you can give him an elven cloak if you're really worried about spellcraft. Like on top of that, but. Yeah, yeah, there are, there are some benefits the captain has too. But um, well, how about Kylie? We go on to uh, the other uh, three might hero in this list, uh, Rimmel's brother. I would say this is this guy is probably the most played. Yeah, I, I reckon he's probably the most played elf in the game. I, I probably I probably see him hit the, just over the course of my career hit the table more than Legolas. This is one of those made up stats, I think. Yeah, it's a made up stat. All stats statistics are made up. You know, but, you know I, I figure I'll throw some controversy. Anyway, we have Haldir. Uh, no fancy titles now, just just regular old Haldir. He comes in at 70 points. He has the Elf Lorian Infantry Hero keywords, and he is a hero of fortitude. His characteristics are. Actually, uh, sorry, before you go on, I think he actually is a hero of valor now, unless, uh, unless I'm mistaken. Yeah, I yeah. believe so. Wowee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, because of the allies thing. Okay. All right. Well, fair enough. Well, he's now here here of Valor, so he can be fifteen instead of twelve. So that's that's handy. We'll get into that in a moment. Uh, his characteristics are: he has a move value of six, his fight six, shoot value of three plus. He has strength four, defense four, two attacks, two wounds, and a courage of six. For heroic statistics, he has three might, one will, one fate. For walkie, he has an elven maid hand and half a sword. Heroic actions, he has heroic accuracy, heroic strike, and heroic strength. I'm not sure on a couple of those, but strike is always nice to have. For options, he has heavy armor for 10 points, an elf bow for 5 points, and an elven cloak for 5 points. For special rules, he has expert shot, so 2 shots on that bow is pretty much and always a guaranteed take for that elven bow. Uh, and woodland creature, of course, for being an elf. He has 2 other special rules. The first is allies to the end. This is a passive special rule. Haldir is counts as always being in range of a banner and automatically passes all courage tests 
if he is within 12 inches of either Aragorn or Thaden, kind of representing the last stand at Helm's Deep. His final special rule is one final blow. If Haldi is slain in close combat, he immediately may make one strength four strike on each enemy model that was engaged with him in that fatal fight. So very, very nasty. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's, that's a nice bonus. Yeah, forget bomb teams. Throw in an exploding Haldir into your enemy's force and see how it goes. Um, I, I think I think the major draw card for for me, um, yeah, the expert shot's really nice. It's great to have a, a two-shot uh, hero with three might points backing it up. But the heroic strike in this list in particular is really, really important, mm. I feel. Yeah, he's a cheap striker for three, three strikes. Uh, oftentimes you don't need it in the elf list, of course, but when you're taking on a big hero, having Haldir... Just to just to make sure you win that fight is really nice, and and he's cheap. He's he's well, once he get cheap for an elf, but but that under hundred point hero, you get good value for it. You've always got that bit of scare factor. If you kill him, he might hit you back a little bit. The bonus for the banner is pretty nice and in themed list, but he's he's a solid choice, and he's one that you can actually have as your leader if you want. I know he's only the the hero Vela now, but I wouldn't. Out of all these guys, I would I would have no problem having Haldir as my my main elf. Yeah, particularly in low points game, like sub-500, where you might not be rocking a Caliborn or a Galadriel, having Haldir as your as your leader is a absolutely fine choice, especially once you've given him the uh, the, the 20 points of kit with the heavy armor, bow, and uh, cloak. Yeah, he can do a bit of everything. He's good, good utility. He's not easy to take out. He's not, not, it's not the most difficult thing in the world, but he, he can be that assassin if you want. He can be annoying and shoot at the back all the time. He can just be that that suicide piece as well if you want to just go and kill as many things as possible and watch him die in a blaze of glory. He does a bit, does a bit of everything, uh, and he is basically a bigger version of our Galadrim captain. But the Galadrim captain in this list has some options that, that may make you consider them over someone like Haldir. So Galadrim captain for seventy points, you've got all the normal stat, uh, stuff: Elf, Lorien, Infantry, Hero, Hero of Fortitude, which was what you expect. You get that resist to magic, which is nice in the list. You've got uh, a baseline captain stats, which are really good. Elf captains have got good stats. So you've got move six, fight of six, very, very nice. That beats out most most big heroes or, or, or draws them. Shoot a three plus, which you can definitely find useful. A strength of four, defense of six, two attacks, two wounds, courage six, courage six. No, very nice, very nice. All good stats. You've got heavy armor or she, and elven made hand and a half sword, which is nice as well because the captains in this list aren't afraid to use their, their swords as hand and a half, especially when you've got some number of bandages. Uh, Horic March, there's the March. We always talk about the March. This is mostly an infantry list, so March is very, very, very useful to have. And, and in some ways, in some list builds, it's, it's almost essential. So definitely a good option there. But you've also got the option of an armoured horse. So this is your only cavalry hero in, in the list, which is very useful. And I, I somewhat disagree with Kylie about the cavalry not fitting into this list. You can always find a use for a, a captain on horse. Uh, elf bow, good choice. Shield, good choice. Expert rider, very nice. Fleetfoot, excellent. And woodland creature. So this is a, a, a speedy horse going through woods and really helping out your, your list. So I, I quite like this, this Gladrum Captain hero, and I often end up taking a Gladrum Captain in my list. What do you think, Matt? I think several years ago I, I made a poll on the Australian uh, community page where I was asking um, what's the best captain in the game and personally I voted for this guy. I think he's the best 
model specifically with captain or, or chieftain or you know that kind of level of hero in the name of the profile um purely for that sheer versatility with that he's got the bow he's got the shield he's got the armored horse he can go in and do everything he can dismount off that horse and shield something out he can shoot at something with three plus to hit and two might points uh the march in particular this was before heroic march but the march in particular he and one other model are the only ones that can get it in this list and he is the superior of those two models in my opinion so yeah and the fact that you can go on a horse through woodland terrain and still have all of your charge bonuses and everything I think this guy's incredible. I, I think it's the best captain level hero in the game. And I absolutely... I think I would take him in every single Lothlorien list that I ran, personally. Kylie, what do you think about him? Um, I I, I don't give him as much as the of a hoorah as I think you both have. Don't, that's, don't get me wrong. I definitely still include one in my army simply because... You know, you always want a march, and having a, a captain uh, with with his versatility is always helpful. But I'm not as drawn to the cavalry within the Galadrim list as um, you guys are. I prefer to run it as a full uh, foot force, uh, simply because of the the play style I play with Galadrim. But the the loss of that that extra twelve inches on the horse has really hurt them. Um, it, it gave them a unique spot, and now they're kind of outshined a little bit by by other cavalry. Yes, they still have resistance to magic, which is still really, really handy and really, really useful. But I still prefer him as the on-foot captain with the shield, you know, rocking that 75 points with a couple of pies behind him and going, right, I'm going to tie you up. I'm going to march over here. And just being a, a utility captain, like you would see on foot, you know, running around doing all those those really handy things. And he can go in with the two, uh, the two end weapon at a pinch with an enchanted blade. Yeah, it's definitely got some utility, and I don't think it's a it's a bad purchase pretty much at any time. I think whatever options you go for, you can definitely find a use for it, even if it's just to do that role where you just throw it into an enemy hero and just watch what happens. Because you've got that fight value, which will be roughly equal to them, and you, you take a bit of time to get through, you can probably outdo a lot of things, so it can keep your other squishy elves safe if you want. Got a bit of use all over it. Uh, so, Matt, is it you that's going through the uh, captain, or is it uh, Kylie? Who's going to go through the wood elf captain? Uh, Matty. Uh, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll look into the Wood Elf Captain. All right, so this is your other Captain option in the list. Uh, you've got the Wood Elf Captain, uh, all the same keywords, Elf Lorien Infantry Hero. He comes in at 65 points, so slightly cheaper. Uh, move 6, Fight 6, 3 plus to hit. Strength 4, only Defense 4, 2 attacks, 2 wounds, Courage 6, 2 might, 1 will, 1 fight. Very, very similar profile. Uh, he comes with Elven Made Sword, not Hand and a Half, and an Elven Cloak built into the profile. He also has Heroic March, so this is your second option if you want to do a Heroic March. And I think this is the option that Kylie will probably say fits better into her uh, personal play style. Although, you know, as you said, the Galadrim Captain is one that you can chuck in that front line. This guy's a little bit different because he also has the option for throwing daggers for five points. He can also take an Elf Bow, and I think probably a lot of the time you would take that Elf Bow. And very importantly, a Wood Elf Spear. So he can be that guy sitting at the back being annoying, moving your guys around, supporting when need be, if he has to, and just throwing daggers, shooting stuff. He's your control captain. What do you think about that, Kylie? How, how have I talked this guy up? Pretty, pretty freaking slowly, Matty. Pretty freaking slowly. Especially if you're running a, a full-on 
Skirmish, uh, Wood Elf Wars, Fully Cloaked. This guy fits right at home in there. He he is such a, a useful uh, model simply because of those throwing daggers, like you said. Being able to have my power throwing weapons is just oh, it is. They are they are crisp and designed. You can pull off some really funky combos with it. You can get kills in spots where your opponent might not be expecting it, and open lanes of attack that otherwise would be closed to you. I will always back a, a throwing weapon powered captain or, or anything with a throwing weapon with my behind it, and this guy fits right at home there. Yeah, definitely, 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 definitely. And you can, with the things like the Elven Cloak, you can be doing some silliness where you're cutting off some angles here and there and harassing with certain sides. Um, I don't know, though, that we mentioned before, but the Wood Elf Spear as well gives you a shielding option. So, yes, you've got that low defense, but you can do a pretty nasty surprise to throw out four attacks on something that charges you and just hold them up for a turn because. Unless you've got some friends, you're probably not hitting particularly hard. But it's a, it's a nice option, Captain. It's basically almost almost down to the theme option. So if you're taking a lot of armored elves, you're going to be taking that first, Captain. If you're taking a lot of pajama elves, you're going to be taking this one. And, and they're both good purchases in that way. Once again, the march in this army, and, and we've said we've talked about march forever, and we always do. But march in this army, this is, anytime you have an elf army, you're paying an absolute premium for lots of models. You need to be able to move them to where they need to be, and March will let you do that at not every game, but the games that, that you really need to, it lets you do that. So it's so definitely, definitely a good option, and uh, it can be fragile, but it changes your play style a bit. This is the the avoidance captain, if you want to call it that way as well. Yeah, 100% agree, Jeremy. 100% agree. Well, moving on to the final elf hero in this list, we have the Galadrian Stormcaller. Now, this guy's copped a bit of flack recently for his uh for, for the nurse he got coming into the new edition, uh losing the nature's wrath. But you know what? I, I I'm gonna try to sell you guys on why I actually think that the Galadrum Stormcaller has a place in this list, and it's a very, very niche and very helpful spot that he fills. He comes in at 60 points. He has the Elf Lorient Infantry Hero keyword. He is a minor hero, so he's only leading those six fellow warriors. His characteristics are a move of six, fight value five, with a three plus to hit with shoot value, strength three, defense four. He's one attack, two wounds, and a courage of five. His heroic statistics are one might, three will, and one fate. For Wargear, he's wearing armor, has an elven made sword, and a star for when you need to bonk something on the head and stun them. For heroic actions, he has heroic channeling, as most wizards do. For special rules, he has two woodland creature and powers of nature. If, when a casting test is made, the Stormcaller rolls a natural six on one or more dice, then the wind of will points spent in casting the magical power are returned to the Stormcaller's story will upon the completion of the effects of the magical power. Very wordy way of saying it, but basically, if you roll a six when you're casting a spell, you get all your will back. Very, very helpful, very, very useful, and it can be an absolute pain in your opponent's side when you do roll that six. For magical powers, he has Call Winds at range 12 with a casting of a 3+, plus, mm. and Enchanted Blades at range 6 on a casting of a 4+. plus. Yeah, yeah, look, I, I'm still not sold, Kylie. My, my biggest concern about this guy, yes, you can find some use out of those powers. I know Call Winds is, is nowhere near what it used to be. It's called, called like a little, I don't know, slight wind or no, nothing particularly to write home about. But Cold can, can, Breeze. Cold Breeze, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah Cold Breeze. Move, yeah. Moving a model a few a inches can be handy breeze. at times. 
Enchanted Blades is nice, but then again, it's on a four plus, so that's a little bit nastier than than Caliborn's one. A three plus would have been nice, but three will. The problem is that I think they're trying to use this powers of nature as a real selling point. But even with three will, if you use up all three will, it's just over half the games you play just on a just a pure numbers point of view that you're going to get a point of will back. So half the games you're going to be working on four will instead yeah. of three. That's, I, I that's not great numbers. Actually, actually, hold on. So just just rereading the way that this is worded, Jeremy, um, it does work a little bit differently to that. Uh, say you roll all three dice yep. on a spell. If you roll a six, you get all three of those back. Yeah, but then once again, it's a single six. Yeah, but a single six is is it's just over half. So half the time you're throwing away three yeah, dice yeah, on one spell. Yeah, but in that case, it's it's yeah, not yeah. going to be four will. It's going to be six. Yeah, will, yeah, yeah. You know? I get that. It's a little bit better than what you're describing. But but, but yeah, what you're yeah. saying there as well is that yes, it's six will potentially, but you're throwing three will at one spell, which is a pretty mm, minor spell. Yeah. Like that's not effective use either. So my, I, no, no. I, I, you are a hundred percent right, man. I hundred percent agree with you on that, the math point of view. But I don't necessarily think that that makes it more effective. I think in some ways that makes it more yeah. of a trap, because half the games you're throwing one spell, and can you really for sixty points a minor hero that, that's really got almost nothing in fighting ability? Can you is is one call wins going to win the game? I don't know. It's going to be a pretty pretty key call wins if it is. And is one enchanted blade going to win the game? The sixty-point hero? I don't think it will either. So I, I, my my concern about that is it's just not reliable enough. He doesn't have enough will. I would have loved a free will turn with this guy, or um, give him starting with six will. I would be fine with that. And or if that casting test is made, maybe instead of a natural six, it's a five or a six, or something a bit more reliable. But it's it's a bit. I don't know. I'm just not attracted to this guy, and I, I run the pajama list, and he just he doesn't find a place. I would rather take the captain. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think the, the problem is that they've kind of got themselves into this mindset of three will is how many we're going to have for these shaman level spellcasters. And it's like three will, there's not a lot you can do with three will, right? Not unless you're a Kardush, or, or for instance. Mm. Um, well, Kardush has got unlimited, that's why exactly, he's good. Exactly, exactly. So that's the problem that we have here. It's like, well, would a free will every turn be enough? Would that make 60 points worth it? Would they have to make him more expensive? Why did they make this guy a minor hero? Like, I understand they did it for the shamans, which I personally don't agree with either, but I don't understand why they made this guy in particular a minor hero. It's like he would be leading dudes on the battlefield. It looks like that kind of guy to me. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, As you say, it just seems like it would be really hard to get the value out of him that you would like to see and all right, all right okay all right, go on all right, Kyla. All right, hang on, on. Hang on. I've, I've, I've been sitting here patiently and you both you've both ragged on this guy a little bit too much but there is a place for him in the <laughs> no list. not at all there is a place now, now i yes i do agree the call wind snap was was really really painful i still think it should be a two plus to cast i still think it should be two d6 agreed on all that agreed with the powers of nature but his selling point is the Enchanted Blades now. That is actually surprisingly helpful in this list because mm. there's only two models in the list that get it. It's Caliborn and this guy, and Caliborn doesn't always have the opportunity to drop that spell because he's up the front. Having this guy as a reserve Enchanted Blades can be very, very helpful. Like we said earlier, this list struggles at times to really get damage down. So being able to, on that one turn in the game, when you really need it, you time it out, you throw down that channeled 
that, that heroic channeling, you drop all three will on enchanted blades and you soup up something. You soup up a Haldi who's going two-handed, you soup up a uh, a um a Caliborn, and you crack through something that you need to crack through. Because this guy can be, you know, safe and secure at the back of the board, you can afford to wait for that one moment where you go, bang, dead troll, bang, dead Aragorn, bang, you know. His five wounds on Smaug or something like that. He that's what he's there to do on the list now. He's not there to push things around, although sometimes you might find an opportunity to do that. His sole and primary job is to, in the list is to go that one turn right. This thing has a crap ton of damage potential. Go nuts. Get the wounds in. Get rid of this guy off the table. He's then for that one all in turn. Mm, and and then you know you can kind of send him off to the side to do some off tanking with his two wounds. Yeah. Yeah, 60 points for that one turn. Very I mean, expensive one turn. You better turn. hope it works. Hey, sometimes sometimes that's that's what you need. That's all that's all you need is that one turn where you go in with, you know, Haldir and Caliborn into that one big hero or you pull the hero forward and in goes Haldir and you, you throw that Enchanted Blades on Haldir. Suddenly Haldir's, you know, plus two to wound. So that's fours, you know, re-rolling all failed attempts. That's That's... Gonna be averaging out three wounds. That's that's a lot of, you know, almost guaranteed wounds going in there. Yes, it can flop still, and it's like what a sixteen percent chance to, no, a little less, twelve, twelve-ish percent chance to, to to flop if you channel and throw all three will at it. But at the same time, you could get it all back with, with the, the six, yeah, with yeah. the natural six. But that that's that's how I see him now, and I've used him in a couple of games and found it mm. very very helpful. I just don't like sixty points. Caliborn fully killed out Caliborn for one fifty. You basically, if you're saying that that's worth sixty points for a one turn uh, enchanted blades, which Caliborn could do on a three plus, can do exactly the same thing. You're talking about the rest of Caliborn being worth ninety points, which is an absolute bargain. So I would I would go the other way if you really wanted that enchanted blades, which is I agree is useful. It's it's especially if you way. if you channel it and get the what is it um, reroll everything plus one to wound and you can use your two handed weapon as well. That's that's pretty nice, but Caliborn can do that job as well and and be very effective with it. And I would rather have I would rather have Caliborn doing that, spending a bunch of might, and then have someone like Haldir next to him instead of the Stormcaller doing a two-handed weapon and and getting nastiness. Or Caliborn himself being two-handed weapon with the three attacks and the Lord of the West. But you gotta remember, you gotta remember as well, Jeremy. Sometimes with how your heroes will drop out and how your Amulus is created, you will want that either extra extra redundancy or Two, your points level knife might not be high enough or big enough for you to be able to afford a Caliborn or something to get that um, that that enchanted blades in. Say you're playing a, a 400 or a 500 point game, you know, taking you know Haldir and a Stormcaller or you know Haldir Captain Stormcaller can be something that you can do in in lieu of uh, taking a Caliborn. I don't know, Kylie. I think you're trying very hard. Yeah, I think <laughs> at that point, you're also limiting your numbers by taking an extra 60-point hero that can only lead six troops. I, I I, don't see it. I don't see it. I think I think yeah. saying the Enchanted Blades is, like, fully the draw card now of this model, then you'd have to say that Caliborn is, like, a must-take, right? Like, I, I don't know. It doesn't work for me. I, I wish they'd done something. I think it's a good effort, Kylie. I think you. I think you, you're making your point reasonably well. Yeah. But the problem is yeah. that, like, for, for nuke power for sixty points, and look, I want this guy to be good. He's a beautiful model, and I want to see him in the armies. But like, 
you, people can buy siege weapons for this price. They can buy bomb teams for like twenty whatever thirty points more that will loot a whole whole. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying you take him in every list. What What I'm trying to say is that there is a use for him, and occasionally when you map out army lists and build out an army list. It, you get these awkward situations where you only have enough points to stick in an extra Galadrum court, an extra Galadrum Stormcaller, and half a dozen guys. Sometimes you don't have that flexibility to fit in more guys into the list because of how your list is structured. Mm. You, you don't have the points. I can't wait to see the the no lines and see if you you no not the no lines the muster an army and see if you live up to this rule of three at Kylie. <laughs> all right, all right. I, I will I will include a Galadrum Stormfaller in one of my muster and I and I will make sure I clearly <laughs> okay. demonstrate. Sounds good, sounds good. That sounds like a good sound. I'm gonna repeat so, everything we just said. <laughs> okay. Yes, 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 yes. But but louder. That's the key to do it. <laughs> that's that's how you get the point across. No, I, I, I agree with Jeremy. I think you, you make good points, Kylie, but I still think he's just not the value's just not there. But yeah, let, let's move on to the Warriors yeah. now. Okay, so I've got the worry here, and and look, I know this guy's probably a little bit underrated, and and it's it's a very nice model. I know that the metals are slightly nicer than the plastics. Plastics are still pretty good for nine points. You get an elf infantry warrior. You get built-in heavy armor, so you've got move six, of course, uh, fight five, which is very 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 nice for a standard warrior. Strength three plus also very nice. Strength three, it's average. Defense five, good. Attacks one, wounds one. Courage five is very good. Yes, you can upgrade it later on for another point. It's probably a bit of a not necessary there, but I guess you can. Maybe if you don't spend all those 60 points on the, the storm cores, you can upgrade some of these guys. So heavy armor, elven made hand and half sword comes with. So it's nice to have that option straight away. And if you want to go cheap, you can just take them with just that if you want. So for nine points, you've got that now. Cheap, I'm not sure. Cheap compared to some armies, yes. Cheap compared to others, no. Uh, options, you've got lots of options here. Warhorn, uh, I don't know that you would take this one. The model is brilliant, like really, really nice, but I, I probably wouldn't bother with this. I'll probably even go the upgraded courage over this, maybe, but you've got that option. 30 point Warhorn, should probably be cheaper for elves. Uh, Banner, 25 points, yes, yes. Elven, Elven Bow, yes, please. Shield, yes. Spear, yes. All good options. Warhorn, maybe. Everything else, great. Woodland creature, good line troops. You've got to be careful with them, like all elves. You can't just throw them forward against goblins and expect them to, to stay alive forever. But they've got all the war gear you could possibly want, and they're, they're a good option to start with. Matt, what do you think? Oh, it's interesting. I, I've, I've got a weird sense of deja vu. In fact, if I think I think if I flick back to page 80, uh, there's a really, really similar profile back there. Uh, you can take a look in your own time. Yeah, they bumped these guys up a defense. They bumped them up a point. And they made them into High Elf Warriors. So the Galadrim Warriors, High Elf Warriors, identical profile. There is not a lick of difference between Except them. Except for one thing. Aside from uh, the Lorian and Rivendell. Lorian and Rivendell keyword. Thank you for letting me finish never, my sentence. Never guy. finish it. Appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, yeah, yep, they're, they're High Elf Warriors now. Um, that's fine. They have resistant to magic. Very cool. Uh, they don't get the Rivendell thing of uh, the convoluted, you can reroll to hit uh, if you're within the, the X amount of range of a particular guy for some reason because he's the one directing moved. you where to shoot. <laughs> and you and that guy hasn't moved and you haven't moved and everything. Anyway, yeah, so um, it's an elf. <laughs> it's an elf with heavy armor. Uh, you can't really go wrong with these guys. So honestly, there's not much more to say about it. These guys do what elves do. 
I agree with that, Matt, but also you baited us expertly over that one because as soon as you said they're the same, you know that Kylie and I are going to jump all oh, over I, that I as knew, well. I knew. I knew. I'm <laughs> He's like, going to see it. Identical, except for the Lauren Ah, oh, they've already got no, the you, audio you, over the top of me. You, we can't help it, Matt. <laughs> Is there anything more to say about them? No, no. We'll go over how to use them later on, but they're, yeah. they're, they're good solid, solid ones. They're your base solid troop. They, they do everything that you need an elf to do in this list. Absolutely. Yeah, Matt, so, tell us about the next one. Straight on to the next one, which is the Galadrim Knight. And uh, this one's actually kind of interesting. So, uh, Elf, Lorien, Cavalry, Warrior for 18 points, which is, you know, on the hefty side in terms of cavalry. It is an elf, of course. Uh, heavy armor, Elven Maid Sword, and Armored Horse. Exactly the same profile as on uh, the foot models. Uh, they have the option for a banner for 25 points. Elf bow for two points, shield for one point. So you you lose out on the options for the warhorn and the um the spear. Of course, not really going to need a spear when you mount it up. And they have very importantly expert rider, fleet foot, and woodland creature. So these are horses that are moving through forests. And depending on how many forests you play on, I tend to play on a lot of them. These guys are actually incredibly useful. The only downside, and we've already mentioned this a little bit previously is that they don't actually hit that hard they're only strength three so personally these guys are my harassers these guys are my i'm going to stick them in a forest and just they're, they're covering a 10 inch arc and if you come into there you're getting charged and you're going to take a hit because they're, they're still cavalry mm. they're still going to do four strength three attacks on you and in addition you can of course give them the bow and they're fast moving bows the cavalry with bows hitting on threes with strength three. That's fantastic. The, the, you can never go wrong with that kind of effect. So, look, I, I think they're a good cavalry model. They're maybe slightly overpriced, in my opinion, at 18, especially once you give them the bow and shield, which you're probably likely to do, given their expert rider. But, look, the list, I think, does benefit from cavalry. No matter what Kylie says, no matter how she tries to sway you, I think having a few cavalry models in there for objective taking, for harassing the flanks, for all that good stuff that you need in, in a sort of mixed arms force, I, I think is really, really good. Kyle, you go ahead. Rebut it if you want. I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. It's, it's, it's my personal <laughs> opinions that are getting in the way of, of, of my... The advice that I'm giving out. But no, I... I Begrudgingly agree, as a token cavalry force, you know, add two or three into your list, you can't really go wrong. They will sit at the back, capture objectives, and now that I think about it, having them marked into the centre on a Caesar Prize can be helpful, so there is a place for them in the list. I wouldn't run any more than, say, three or four of them in a list, though. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I've got quite a few because there's a while where we won lots in prizes. Yeah. I haven't put them all uh, together and them, and there's a reason yeah. for that. Now, 12 inches, yeah, take a whole butt, you know take a whole bunch of them but um now that they're in the 10 yeah they kind of lost their, their their kind of key key identity yeah nah um handful objective so i've got something to yeah. say about them first so so with these guys i think the biggest problem they have is that riverdale knights exist because for whatever the, the cost of a lance like for some reason lances have been costed at one point which Insane. is an absolute yep. bargain and and like, like, it is ridiculous, and it will make this guy look incredibly expensive. 5-5 five, five Cavalry are really, really, really good. This guy, just one of these can go and take down, like, anyone's normal heroes and just be incredibly threatening. They, they are really dangerous, and they do, like, with the, with the amount of, of, 
attacks you get, you do hurt them, and they're, they're something you don't want to hit. They're great at just doing that, as Matt said, that, that go after an objective or work on the flanks or doing all that sort of stuff. But I think the biggest problem they have, and I just said that before, is that the direct comparison, they are nowhere near as good as Rivendell Knights because of the lack of a lance option. If they had a lance option, I don't think would any of us would say it's it's undercosted or overcosted. Sorry, I don't think we would. It was a one point lance. Would suddenly say great value, amazing. Definitely take six of them or four of them or whatever you want to take. But that does make such a huge difference. And and sometimes the war gear is just not costed right. So one point lance is is great. It should be two, should be three, whatever it is. Like I, I don't know exactly the points value, but one is just it makes a difference from an outstanding model to a a model that you're like yeah take or leave it. Yeah, the difference between charging into, say, a single, uh, I don't know, a Urukai warrior with shield, right? So the difference between charging into it with a uh, strength three cavalry without a lance and with a lance is night and day. You're going to roll those four dice, and a lot of the time, you're not going to get that six. Whereas if it's a five, very, very, it doubles your odds. It doubles your odds of killing mm. that model. So it, it's... That, that, that is a really great point, Jeremy. If they did have the Lance, uh, I don't think any of us... Uh, we, we'd be taking them in every list. They'd be uh, incredible value, much like the Rivendell Knights are. I will say their one advantage over the Rivendell Knights is that Fleetfoot rule, which means that they can go straight mm. through forests and charge stuff and get all that good stuff. And and honestly, that's going to come up quite a bit. Like, I've seen it come up. So I, I don't think... Don't, don't underestimate that. That's a really good rule. But yeah, they're never going to be that I, I'm going to go in with like three or four of these guys and just kill everything that I charge because they just don't quite have that hitting power. Not unless you're against defense five or lower. Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed, agreed. They have the same issue that I think a lot of people have with, say, like the Eastling Cav, where it does a roll, but there's just stuff mm. that does it so much better and for like almost nothing more. So it's got that comparison. The, uh, the Gondor Eastlings compared to the uh, the Wood Elf, whatever it is, Gladriel and Rivendell, it's, it's uh, you've just got a, a, a sibling that's just much better at everything and looks more attractive and, and these poor models just, just sit there and, and they have to do work. They have to they have to make themselves worthwhile and they can, but this is this is not the cav list. If you want an all cav alpha army, this is not the list for you. Yeah, however, the next model we're about to get to uh, has oh, quite a oh. lot of unique I, qualities that I, 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 I think we're going to be very happy with. Waiting to be able to, to, to give a spiel on this model because this is my favorite model in the entire Lothlorien list. This is this is the model that, in my opinion, makes the Lothlorien list. We have, of course, the Guard of the Galadrian Court. For a whopping 12 points, you get the following. You get the Elf, the Lorien, the Infantry, and the Warrior keywords. But the statistics is where everything lies. Movement 6. Fight Six. Oh, fight six. Thank you so much. They are shoot value three, strength three, defense five, one attack, one wound, and courage of six. For war gear, they have heavy armor and pike. Pike, of all things. For options, you can replace the pike with a banner for 25 points. And for special rules, they have two. Woodland creature and Karahas Galahorn fighting star. Did I say that right, Maddie? Pretty close. Uh, Karahas Galahorn. Well, you know, I, I do what I can. Uh, in addition to the normal rules for pikes, the guard of the Galadrian court may also use the rules for shielding. The usual restrictions for shielding still apply. Typically that the guards of the Galadrian court that is shielding cannot be supported by another model, even if that model is a guard of the Galadrian court. So these guys are, are worth every point you pay for them. You get fight six, you get pike support ranked, 
and you can shield if things go wrong. These guys are phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. I always take at least six of them in any, any Galadrim list I take. I would even bump that up to nine, maybe possibly 12 if I can get my hands on another three of them. But these guys, these guys are everything. The fight six is so huge for the army list. It, it defines their playstyle. These guys define the Galadrim Lothmarian playstyle. Would you say that five of these models are better than a Stormcaller, Kylie? Hundred percent, yes. But she would like to many... take five. Oh, five cool. Of there we go. Isn't there we go, right, Kylie. <laughs> no, no, no. But oh, okay, I'll five admit, I will, I will take yeah. these guys on mass over pretty much anything else in the list. They're, 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 they're really good. They they are the everything. I was yeah, they, so they're, they're really good at their reliability um, at the tournament at minimize that. They, they just blew me away. They absolutely blew me away. And the more and more games I play with them and the more I kind of get my head around how you position them, how you place them, and how you rank up with them, the more and more impressed I become. And they're, they're, just, they're, they're just so oppressive. They're so hard to deal with. That they, they do everything you want. They shut down heroes. They shut down wraiths. They have resistant and magic on top of them, so they're really hard to, to like take out with spellcraft they're just they're just they're just really really good yeah for sure yeah can we have a segment on them in the um the keep it secret kylie because i've got heaps to say about these and i don't want to clog up this one these are pretty much going to be a, a core of where we sort of take this list and our discussions around it i think so we might yeah we, we might move on from it here and we'll, we'll go on to the next model but we will be coming back to these guys for sure the next one is our humble wood elf warrior. The little the pixies themselves, the tiny, tiny plastic models, or the little goofy looking medals that that uh, were made for the first edition. They're not my favorite models, but they're they're actually in terms of gameplay, they're some of my favorite to play with. So you get this interesting dichotomy there. Eight points. You've got an elf that's incredibly fragile. You breathe, you breathe on them, they fall apart. They're fight five, that's great, but they're only strength three, defense three, shoot three. Fast is very, very useful on these guys, and courage five is also useful and reliable. So you come with a hand and a half sword now and an elven cloak, which is makes a better value than before, and that elven cloak is really key to, to how you play them because if there's a bit of terrain, a little pebble on the ground or whatever, these guys are putting their toe behind it so they can't be seen. So that, that's what they do. That's how the Elven Cloaks work. Uh, option for a banner, great. Elven Bow, great. Throwing Daggers, yes, yes. Throwing Daggers, that's oh, my favourite option. And Wood Elf Spear. Uh, yeah, I love the Throwing Daggers and Spear option as well. Putting those two together is is really, really, really good. So the Wood Elf Spear is that special one where you can parry, but it's not a swift parry, allowing to use a rule for shielding. So totally different rules for parrying this time, but that's okay. And they're a Woodland Creature. So these guys... Uh, the ultimate, if there's forest in the game, you want these guys in the forest because they are really, really tough to move in the forest. They are incredibly mobile in the forest. They are lethal at range. They are lethal in combat where you get the, a bunch of them together and they get their spears and banners going on. They're, they're really fun to play with, but they they reward a good player as well because if you leave them on their own, they die really, yeah, really there, there was a time when uh, spamming Wood Elf Warriors was one of the ultimate lists, I think, was probably one of the you know top five or so lists in the game just i, I would say the top list of yeah like back, I, I, back I, when they were potent yeah when when they were were when they were the as it were and you could take them with thrandable old school thrandable and legolas they were just they were oppressive absolutely oppressive yeah absolutely yeah and legolas thrown out of the list as you say yeah really really nasty like, um I, I played i played games with these guys where i haven't lost a model 
Mm. I, I've played against you and only killed like one or two models. So yeah, super nasty. Um, the defense three, don't be fooled. You, you, the idea with the list is that you simply don't take hits. You win all of your fights. You do all, all your wounds with your throwing daggers. You, you just don't need to be losing models with this list. It's it's very elven, actually. So kind of the way that they design this model is really, really cool. I Honestly, Wood Elf Warriors to this day scare me. I don't want to see them on the other side of the table. They, they make me think, oh, God, what... I'm going to take so much damage before I'm able to do anything, and there's a good chance if my opponent's a good player that I won't be able to do anything. And they have Resistant and Magic now. Resistant Magic as well in this list. Uh, On top of the cloaks. It's like... Oh, God, so... If you don't want to be targeted, you won't. So nasty. So nasty. Mm, And they bring their friends along as well. So, Matt, do you want to finish off with the the ultimate ally to them? Yeah, the ultimate Wood Elf here, the, the Uber Elf, if you like, the Wood Elf Sentinel at 25 points. So I... Correct me if I'm wrong, I think that is the most expensive one wound model in the game that's not a hero. He's putting out the wind. It's not a hero. Possibly. <laughs> Kylie, Kylie will get back Kylie. to us. You read, Kylie will get back uh, to us. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think that's you're not right. a hero. That's it. We'll get back. That's an immediate answer. <laughs> well, it depends. Are you including banners or not? Uh, no, Wargi. Uh, no, no, I'm not. A model with a banner and a warhorn? Anything with a banner or a warhorn is going to be possible. A banner can be passed. A warhorn cannot. Uh, no, I, I think the profile itself at 25 points. Uh, oh, changing the boundary. Uh, the goalposts. I like it. Okay, I like it. fine. I, uh, I'm wrong then. Read Whatever. Read Move six. Fight five, three plus to hit. Strength three, defense three, two attacks, one wound, courage five. So looking very similar to a basic wood elf, but with that extra attack. Very nice. Uh, haven't justified their 25 mm. points yet, but we'll get to that. Elven made... Elven... Oh, come down, come down. You've got like a whole page of text. Elven made sword, elf bow, and elven cloak. He comes fully kitted out. Uh, would like the throwing daggers too, but he doesn't get those. Uh, woodland creature, as we've mentioned, every model in this list with the woodland creature. And finally, his important rule here, enchanting song. The magical songs woven by the tunes of the sentinels can serve a variety of different uses, and all of them useful. A sentinel may sing one song each turn, provided they're not engaged in combat. These function exactly like magical powers, except they are automatically cast without spending any will, and they cannot be resisted. So they're just better. I like that. Like, they take the key parts of magic powers, they're they're exactly like magic powers, powers. except for all the magic stuff. None of the drawbacks. (laughs) (laughs) The Hymn of Elbereth is the first one. Ah, Elbereth Gilthoniel. Range 12 inches. This beautiful song raises the spirits of the targeted model. The target-friendly model will automatically pass all courage tests for the remainder of the turn. Do not underestimate this. This is key at certain points in the game to you winning the game. This is, I have one model that I absolutely need to move this turn because of his positioning, and he has to charge a terrifying model, him of Elbereth, and he gets Mm. in. Absolutely no risk whatsoever. Really, like... Sorry, corner it, case. It, it, it is actually. Nice. I've seen it win games. Like I know it's corner case, and it's, I agree. It's with not you. just corner case. No, no, it, it is. No, I disagree with that. It, it is. It is. It is bread and butter. It's uh, bread and butter. This. This I is wouldn't bread say and this is the bread. That the next spell is the butter. Okay. So, that's not how bread and butter works, Kylie. Anyway, I would say that's the knife that spreads the butter on the bread, Kylie. And here comes the no, butter. No, the knife is the last Eldemar one. Madrigal, range 12 inches. The target enemy model must immediately take a courage test. I wonder why. Well, if the test is passed, nothing happens. But 
If the test is failed, the target model falls under the control of the opposing player who may then move it up to its maximum move, even if it's already moved that turn. He's a spectre, boys. He's a spectre. This move cannot be... He's a spectre in disguise. He's not an elf at all. This move cannot be used to enter an enemy's control zone, to dismount, to lay down, to perform an action that would cause harm to the target, such as jumping off a cliff, or anything that would require the model to roll a d6, such as a jump test. I actually really like the way that they ended up wording this. I, I think that's really, really clear, and I know it's quite a bit of text, but I think it basically covers everything in one block there. So I, I'm really happy with that. Yeah, it's good, actually. Absolutely. Yeah, praise, yes. uh, affected models may move no further that turn, so you can't chain it. You can't keep them moving along after that. Uh, and finally, so, you know, we'll get to that, and I think we're going to talk about that a lot more in the Keep It Secret, because this is a really, really powerful ability, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and it, it means that Wood Elf yep. Sentinels, despite their hefty price tag, are absolutely worth it. And finally, the Lay of Gondolin. This somber verse recalls the mighty elf city of Gondolin, a name fit to freeze the hearts of evil beings. If the Sentinel sings this song, they cause terror until the end of the turn. This can be super key in sort of situations where, one, you're holding up a particular channel and you don't want your Sentinel going down this turn. Uh, and, uh, you know, your opponent needs to have that low courage. You need to be able to, you know, put him in a position where it's really going to affect them. But again, this can be an incredibly beneficial spell. And it can also be really useful if you're taking objectives and you're just trying to keep them from charging you on the objective. Um, make it really tough for them to get through you. It, it's a nice uh, additional... The, the fact that you get all three of these abilities in one model is quite insane, honestly. Yeah. Um Kylie, I'll let you speak for a little bit about the Wood Elf Sentinel, okay. but not too much. All right. All right. Can, can I go now? Yes. Can I go, go ahead. Now? All right. These guys are like... They are probably one of the best models in the entirety of the game. Actually, I'm going to put them in the top five best models in the entire game. That's how good these guys are. Any Lothlorien list needs one of these. Minimum. Minimum. I don't care if you're playing a 100-point game. You need one Wood Elf Sentinel. I don't care if you're playing a 1,000-point game. You need at least one Wood Elf Sentinel. Preferably more if you're playing big points. But basically, you want at least one of these in your list. These guys are that good. I talked about how good the Guards of the Gladrum Court were. These guys are twice as good as the Guards of the Gladrum Court. That's how good these things are. They are amazing, and I cannot wait to talk about the tactic here on them. Basically, all you need to know is they enable you and provide you with opportunities to make plays in a game and allow you to disrupt your opponent's plays. And whenever you have a model in an army list that allows you to do that, they they form a core, a quintessential core to your army or a very specific role. And th that's what makes them so good. Yeah. Now, I've got two things to say about these guys, Matt, and I will keep it brief as well because I know we want to get into the, the keep it secret and go and spill all the secrets about them. But the first thing is, key thing is unlimited spells with no effort to cast and Aldemar Madrigal is better than the Stormcaller spells. So you're getting a Stormcaller who can maybe cast one or two key spells, and these ones can just pepper with spells the whole game for unlimited, like like nothing else. The same with the Spectres. That's just incredible, because that, that, those spells are good. Aldemar Madrigal is excellent, and it's one that, that you can just go for no effort, just keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. So that, that's just game-winning. And the second thing, second thing is, these are all songs, aren't they? Correct me if I'm wrong, they're all enchanted songs. Indeed. So yes. you'd think the Sentinel would be singing them, wouldn't it? 
So why on earth do they model the sentinel with a flute? Do you know how hard it is to sing with a flute in your mouth? I think it's it that does. they can play. They can some sing, some play a flute. You know, the, the, the songs aren't always verbal, Jeremy. Come on, you know that. You're a music Yes, teacher. they are. That's exactly what the definition of song is. It's something that's sung, Kylie. It's always verbal. That's what a song is. Okay, it maybe, does, maybe it should be enchanting music then. Is that is that what you prefer? It, it does It does say you may yes. sing one song rather than play one song, so mm, good point. You always sing a song. That's what makes it a song. Uh, well, there's, to be fair, there's only... Is it, oh, no, there's another one with, the, with the, like a horny thing. The one has a lute, though. So the, Lute's good, yes. I approve of the lute. Okay, yeah, loot. Loot has Jeremy's approval. So you can get two Wood Elf Sentinels and a bonus elf for the cost of a Gladrum Stormcaller, Kylie. Yeah, I would take that. Mm. Yes. Let me get to my corner cases <laughs> when Gladrum Stormcallers are, all right, all right, are yeah, useful. Yeah. I admit that they're not useful all the time, but, you know, I, I, I couldn't stand when, you, when you're bashing a model like Gladrum Stormcallers when... They have a special place in my heart because they may or may not have wanted me tournaments in years previous, but that's beside the point. They've changed, Kylie, and you need to move on. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. Can I just... We do. Can, we I, do. can I just say one thing? How cool would it be if was, um, the uh, Wood Up Captains could, say, pay 15 points to get uh, the, um, the the songs from the Sentinels? I reckon that's 15? A thing that get out of town. 15 points. Way more than that. 30 Yeah, but you, you basically, because the, the weakness of a Sentinel is that, that if you get to them, you can kill them. Yeah. The Elf Captains aren't going to die to that thing, so it's going to be in, increasingly more ability. I love the idea of giving it to them, Kylie. I actually like the idea of being able to buy spells for the uh, Elf Captains as well. Ooh. I think that would be fantastic. Yeah. But um, that would be, if I if I got the chance to redo this list, I would go and focus on the magic in that way because yeah. that would be a really cool war gear upgrade to just buy them a spell. Yeah, because mm. uh, honestly, I, I'm just thinking of my um, my battle companies where I have a Wood Elf Sentinel that's a hero and he is an absolute boss. He just kind of like kicks around and just harasses things with my wizard. It's great. Oh. It's so much fun. Guys, scrap the Stormcaller for 15 points. Your Wood Elf Captain gets plus two will and immobilize slash call wins slash... Uh, blade, enchanted blades. Actually, slapping on an extra twenty points is an upgrade for a wood elf captain to get basically all of the stormcallery stuff. Mm. I, I can see that. Yep. Yep. It's we'll either that it. or give the glider yep. force some more will to make him actually useful. Yeah. Or rebuff his call yeah. spell. Or give him the ability to punch yeah. someone you as just, well. Yeah. Just just a little bot in a spot. It's, it's a shame that he doesn't have it. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, that, that is what it is. Uh, thank you guys for this. We'll move on to the next segment. Keep it secret. So we're going to be going through all the elements of the list, talking about what we do, our usual. Uh, I think we're going to start it off with something that makes up the bulk of the list, and I've made a bit of fun of it, how the fact that um, the regular Galadrum warriors are now essentially identical to High Elves. 
but what is it that makes them a little bit different in this list and how do you play them differently to high elves kylie what do you think well, the big the big one for me is the resistant to magic. That's that's kind of huge. That army bonus really it does change the dynamic of the list a, a little bit, kind of in the way that whereas high elves have to constantly uh, plan against, say, a compel forward, and then engage on that model that's been compelled forward. Galadrim can kind of almost get away with it a little bit, they can kind of play a little bit closer in, in that regard because they can always have a chance at, at blocking out a, a spell on a generic trooper. You can kind of factor that into the way you're playing. So one of the really big things with Galadrim Elves in that particular sense is that you can play uh, really uh, aggressive angles, uh, particularly when you're playing around terrain, which we'll get into in a bit. But yes, yeah, it's, it's one of like their hallmark features. I think we've got to go almost to, to beginning. Yes, that, that makes a big difference. But the standard elf strategy for this is is the standard elf strategy. You get there, you look at your bows, you say, they are better than my opponent's bows. So you pepper them with shots for as long as it takes to bring them forward. And then you hope that they, they break up their lines in a way that, that you can engage with your entire force against part of their lines. And then you just take it out by the, the quantity, uh, sorry, the quantity, the, the quality of your troops. Because you've got the higher fight value, you've got banners around, you've got higher arms. Armor, and you can just just knock things out with your your normal warriors, and you've got a few good heroes as well that can do all the the hero stuff that you need to the assassination or other heroes, the killing of monsters, the the taking out the the cab that's going to charge in, all that really important stuff. So you've got a pretty standard tactic, but you do have a few few wrinkles in this list, and and the first one Kylie mentioned is exactly right in that the one of the best ways to beat elves and to beat that shooting army is to go capel immortal forward, charge as many guys into it, heroic combat, and just get into combat. And that way, that once you're in combat, the shooting can't happen or it blocks lines of fire and all that sort of stuff. But this way, you almost prevent that. You don't always, but it takes a lot more resources to get your spells off, which can be frustrating for, for armies that are relying on that. So you've got that inbuilt bonus, but overall, your tactics are pretty similar to the standard infantry Rivendell ones where you're peppering with bow shots, and then you're setting up just a really good infantry formation when they go in, and then trying to, to be opportunistic. Like all elves, you're loving woods, so jump in the woods if you can and, and play around that, because you go faster than everyone else in there. But other than that, pretty, pretty standard. You do have a, a magician hero in, in Galadriel that can help out, and you've got some decent fighters. Caliborn's a solid fighter, um, pretty pretty good infantry leader if you're going that way, and then Rumil and Haldir can, can hold their own as well as all the captains. So I think it's a it's a pretty standard tactic. Kyla, can you imagine like just doing the the run forward aggressive mode with this army? I can, but like you said, like you still want to play standard elf tactics. Like that's kind of what you know Galadrim do really well is you know play that 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 long and grindy game where they beat you because they have better stats than you. That's what you want to try and do with Galadrim elves because. They have such really good stats. They have Elven Blades. They've got Fight 5, really Fight 6, because honestly, pretty much all your combat should have Fight 6 model in it. You mm, have good, yeah. reliable heroes that are hard to take down. And if, if you've got a good terrain place to play around, like a, a decent ruin, a building, or a forest, the, they can be so, so hard to engage upon. And that's that's kind of the goal with, with this army, is you set up that that set to receive. You you position your Galadrim court in such a way where if your opponent's going in, 
they're going to be copying a whole bunch of, you know, five, six Pike-supported elves to the face. And that can be really, really difficult to deal with. There aren't many armies that can go, you know, heads up into a four-attack front line at five, six that, you know, is going to win the roll-offs on a three-plus. That That is an insane amount of stats that you can just put forward going through. Yeah, what, what I see as the key difference is that while uh, Rivendell has these really top-tier, potentially offensive heroes such as Gilgalad and Glorfindel, um, and even just their Rivendell Knight captains with a lance, incredibly powerful, uh, potentially on the charge, their, their basic troops are a lot more of a survive and grind, whereas what you can actually do with Galadrim with those pikes is you can pick particular areas where you want to go three attacks deep and try and push through those areas. This is just... This is obviously very micro. This isn't a big kind of strategy idea, but it's just something that I see as a bit of a, a difference in the lists overall. Because it is kind of a little bit hard to find some some differences with the basic troops. Uh, but that that's how I see it as a primarily Rivendell player, where I try and do a lot of my damage with the heroes. I feel like that's definitely not going to be your focus as a Galadrim player. They don't really have those heroes that are just going to romp straight through stuff. Uh, yeah, I can't think of any. There's, there's none that come to mind in Galadrim that would be able to do that. So it's primarily down to those heroes doing a little bit of damage here and there and then focusing your pikes into areas where they can get those easy kills, focusing on your bow fire, focusing on your wood elf throwing daggers, all these little bits of chip damage that you can do that, that's not necessarily the same as a Rivendell force. Hmm. And just, just to kind of go on with that a bit, I think... One of the really big kind of, it, it's, it's not an easily recognisable nuance, but there are two things. One, Rivendell don't have the value heroes like a Hardy or a Rumel in their list. They don't have a, you know, a 3-1-1 hero for, you know, 80 or 90 points. They, they just don't have it. Yeah, you could probably say the twins kind of count, but you've got to take them as, as a bundle and they can only leave one warband between the two of them. But... Galadrim, because you got these the, this Rumor and this Haldir, you can get big warbands, 15 for Haldir, 12 for Rumor, and then once you've slapped in a Caliborn or a Gladiol, you, you've got some really big uh, warband spaces that you can basically macro out elves. So it is not unheard of in a Galadrim list to hit 40 models and put that many down on the table. And when you're fighting that amount of elves, like, you're almost at some points going to be outnumbering you know, some goblin armies and some orc armies, simply because you've macroed out these elves. And that's where the Greladrim are able to, at least the uh, tin can version, is able to leverage their advantage. You set up your formations in such a way where if your opponent is going to engage, they're only going to engage a small fraction of their fo of your force, and then you throw, you know, your, your five... You know, so your five combats that have, you know, two rank deeps of Galadrim Pike support, you make it so that trying to get an engage and trying to get a surround on you is going to be really difficult. So that when they do come heads up into you, they're going into that Pike block. They're going into those, you know, that four attack straight down the line that we'd love to love to see in Galadrim because that four attacks is absolutely monstrous. Three attacks from the infantry, one from a reroll from a banner behind them. And there, like I said before, there isn't much that's going to beat that. And that's how Galadrim 
will beat you down is by forcing these engages or creating these engages where you're forced to go into a small section of their army and that part of their army is piked up, piked up deep. So you're very rarely going to win a combat against that that sheer amount of attacks with that higher fight value. It's an excellent point. Five extra elves doesn't seem like a lot, but if you've played elves before, you know five elves can make a huge difference. Yeah, it does. It does. So just also on that, like Pikes is definitely definitely an advantage for this one. But even with with just the standard spearmen as well, I know a lot of people have just gone for the the plastic box sets to start out. Having just a concentration of attacks of elves is is just of the utmost importance. So if you've got fighting one on one with elves, you ideally want a shield if possible in some way because you don't want to be throwing one attack to their attack. That's a good way to lose. You want to make sure that you gather up in little small areas. You use the terrain to your advantage. You, you block off areas. And whenever someone charges elves or wherever you charge out with the elves, you've got at least, at the very least, a two ta- attacks versus two attacks amount. So you've got your guy with a spear support versus their guy with a spear support. Because at, with a higher fight value, you need to also have equal or more attacks as well to take full advantage of that. It's of least value when you've got one attack versus one attack. So keep keep pushing those attacks together, and that way your elves stay alive for longer as well. So they lose less combats, they get less fights coming back at them, and then they'll grind things out. Yes, they take a while to kill things, but they're winning so many combats that it does happen as well. And they've already softened up key targets with the bow fire, or at the very least, scared the opponent into running to very bad areas, because they've had to go so aggressive. So, that's the standard elf tactics. Your opponent wants you to spread out as much as you can, so you need to avoid that at all costs. You need to make sure that, that you are attacking with in a very concentrated area, even if it means running away with party of force. So that's that's my standard elf tactic where I'll maybe I'll look like a battle line and then when it gets close, half my battle line will retreat and just like compress up and all the spears and pikes and things will go join the other battle force and the rest will just avoid, avoid and shield while my main concentration does all the work. Yeah, it's interesting, like what you say about concentration of attacks. Uh I, I think probably a newer player might look at the game and say, okay, for example, uh, you've got your opponent has three Urukai and you've got three Elves, let's just say, in a line touching bases against each other. Probably a newer player might just go, all right, well, 3v3, I'll just go 1-1-1. One, one, one. But if you're really thinking about the game, you know you're putting one Elf into two of them, shielding, and the other two are going to try and kill the other Uruk and get a trap if possible. So the, the, the best ways to work with Elves is a combination of shielding and doubling up against the opponents you're not shielding. Yeah, 100% agree, Manny. It's all about maximizing that attack characteristic. So there's there's kind of like this rule of thumb with elves. Generally speaking, if you are able to throw uh, equal to or more dice in a game than your opponent with elves, you've probably won the game. And it's simply like you said, Matt, that, that... multiplying your attacks, getting extra attacks where you need them is is so, so, so precious with elves. And this is what Galadrim do so well. This is this is their bread and butter. They take this idea of, you know, this high attacks metric and pushing it to the absolute limit. One thing I've been noticing with Galadrim and with Galadrim players is the better the Galadrim player or the better they play, the more they'll get out of their basic troops. They're, they're one of the armies where if you know how to play really good elf tactics, they'll just reward you in spades because they have so much ability to just either 
completely nullify enemy big heroes that are fight six or lower, simply because they have, you know, fight six everywhere with, with the Galadrim Quark uh, guard. And because they have such, they reward such good positioning. Like, if you know how to position that, this army, they, they will just, they will absolutely crush you. So speaking of positioning, uh, we haven't talked a lot about the, the Wood Elves without armor. And these guys look like, initially, if you are a beginner player, they might not be the best way to go. Because they, if you put them in the wrong spot with the defense three, they die really quickly. And they're all about that 10 point cost. So they're, they're not cheap warriors. So you can't just lose them, lose them out for that. But they have the huge advantage of being super fast through woods. So they can go at full speed through woods. And they have so many throwing weapons and shooting weapons. So the trick of these guys is all the tactics we've just said, but you are avoiding combats unless that you don't think you'll win. So if there's a combat that, that you look at and you go, mm, this is a 50-50 combat, run away and, and just keep moving, just keep moving, just keep dancing. Run to the side, run backwards, run forwards, run in any direction of the pajama elves and only pick the fights that you know you're going to win. Oftentimes that means you're actually fighting less combats than any other elf armies. So you're not worried about those two, two walls of the blocks behind you might just only be engaging in one with all your hitters of all your heroes with your banner with any spear support you've got just attacking that area getting traps if you can while the rest of your army is just peppering the force with throwing weapons and elf bows constantly non-stop just hit them with that at all times pretty much you hit the nail on the head there jeremy this is a uh harassing army like you said you're constantly looking for those opportunistic throwing weapons those opportunities opportunistic shots with the bows and kind of more on that you, you want to when you do engage your opponent or when you are trying to set up for an engage you want to set it up near really advantageous terrain stuff like uh woods are really good for wood elves not because you want to fight inside the woods it's because you want to fight in front of the woods when you engage with wood elves what you want to do is attack in front of a wood so that when uh, you need to disengage, or if you need to run away, you can retreat back through the wood. What this does is it gives you, one, another turn of throwing weapons at a minimum, but two, it gives you space to reset and your line. If your opponent is uh, trying to move towards you through the woods, they're only going to be moving three inches, whereas you have fallen back six inches through the woods. And that little bit of extra maneuvering room, that extra three inches, can be the difference between life and death. There are games where I have played where I've, you know, fought in front of a wood, caught a heroic move, disengaged completely away, ran the six inches back, and my opponent went, oh crap, how do I deal with this? I know, I've been that opponent. <laughs> It's it's frustrating, isn't it, Matt? When when that happens to you, it and really trying is. to catch these wood elves is really tough. If you go against a good player that's playing them, you almost have to just go at all speed, nonstop marches, and just throw them forward as much as you can to try and pin these guys. Because if they get moving around, that it's it's so so tricky to catch them. I know I've played games with the the all pajama wood elves where my strategy has been start on one side. And then do a whole lap of the board, finish on the other side, finishing my opponent's deployment zone, and maybe fight two combats along the way. And and those games, I just thrash because my defense is irrelevant. My defense three doesn't matter if you can never shoot me. It doesn't matter if you can never attack me. I'm using my elven cloaks if I have them. I'm using my my uh, my throwing weapons. I'm using my bows, and I'm just constantly moving backwards and sideways and and moving around whilst I'm still hitting at at 
a pretty good efficiency. My my bows, they can still move and shoot. My throwing weapons can move full speed and shoot. They love it. And it just it's very fun to play with. Not not so much fun to play against if you're against a good player, but great fun to play against if you're against an average player and you do catch these guys because they will die quickly. On the topic of avoidance and uh, an element that you can use to prevent that in your opponent, Kylie, the Sentinels. Where do they fit into the list and how would you best use them? Um, they fit in anywhere in this list, to be perfectly honest. There, there is not a Galadrim list where you cannot find a place for a handful of Sentinels. I said it in the no line. You pretty much always want to take at least one in your army. Preferably two at like a 500 points. You want to go up to three at 750. Basically, good rule of thumb for every 250 points bring a sentinel along. That's a really good thumb, rule of thumb to have. But what sentinels allow you to do is manipulate your opponent's models on the battlefield. Aside from the fact that they check a lot of really annoying uh, uh, models, such as shades and stuff, what you can really get out of sentinels for both pajama and the standard armored variety is it allows you to either A, bring your opponent towards you, and then allow you to create plays off that, either through a heroic combat, either through putting your heroes into screen from shooting, or it allows you to move your opponents away or into vulnerable positions, such as moving a troll right next to a ledge or, or a water feature, or even moving that troll into a bottleneck to prevent your opponent from moving forward. This is what Sentinels will bring to the table. It allows you to control your opponent's force and allow you to put your opponent's models where you want them. We've talked about this so much about the reason why Compel, why Spectres, why Sentinels are so good in the game is because whenever you're able to move your opponent's models, you have control of the game. And that's what Sentinels provide. They provide an enormous amount of control. Mm, yeah. My favorite move of the Sentinels, Kylie, I know you've seen me do this many times, is I look for a big base model that's got really low courage. So I'm looking for wags. I'm like, where's the wags? Bring out the wags. And whenever a Sentinel sings the wags, I, I get my flute ready. I, I sing my song so the flute doesn't ever get played because I'm singing and then th therefore the flute's not going. But I'm holding the flute anyway. Maybe I'm holding it in the air, pointing at the wag. And that wag goes and finds the best model bottleneck it can, usually about six inches away from my, my throwing weapons. So it dances around. It's loving the song. Goes and, and finds a bottleneck and slows down my opponents so they have to go around the wag. And while they go around the wag, they w walk right into my kill zone with my throwing weapons. So these things, the Sentinels... I just so, 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 so good. I have very occasionally used the Terra for almost similar reasons, but this is more like if I have to put my guys in a position where I don't want to. So I've got an elf that's holding up a bridge or something like that just so I can gather an objective behind it. I might throw the Terra on it just to break up the opponent and hope it survives a bit longer. But the go-to is, is it the Elbreath song? Let me just check which one that is. But it's the one that, that does the movement. That is just so good. And it's it's honestly the best magic support you have in this army because it, it does the super compel, the movement part of it which is the the best part of it sorry eldemar madrigal i believe it is that's right yeah, yep. eldemar yeah. Madrigal. and that that's that's just so so reliable and, and at such a small price so 25 points you're getting an infinite spell you never have to worry about counting your will you just constantly get it going it will come off a few times in the game a lot of times it'll be resisted that's fine you're just constantly putting pressure on and it's got a really really good range to it so you can you can threaten at a really safe distance and you've got your elven cloak and then if anyone ever does go and get the jump on your sentinel the two attacks means they're they're reasonably survivable two attacks fight five means you're probably going to win some combats before you die 
add in a flight six pack support and you're, you're pretty safe there. <laughs> That's your answer to everything, Kylie. <laughs> <laughs> but let more on that as well. So what I, what I love about the, uh, the the terror and the courage is it gives you flex options uh, in, in your in your in your army. So yeah, elves have really good courage, but once you you plonk down an enemy wraith or or, or a model of, of that age with harbinger, suddenly uh, you failing courage test is a lot more likely. So being able to have that um, that one one turn, maybe two or three of them in your army, have that auto pass courage allows you so much more freedom to move without uh, without any worry that you're going to get mucked up with a failed courage test. Having that assurance that, you know, this model is going to be able to charge that troll, no problem, is, is just beautiful to have. Because even if you have courage 5, some, quite often actually I've found that sometimes an elf failing a courage test in the completely wrong spot can absolutely bugger your entire line. So having these sentinels, particularly in the late game, can be very, very handy. There's nothing like having, you know, Celeborn, you know, pass his stand fast, get a sentinel in range to pass with the stand fast as well, and then the sentinel goes, that elf on that objective over there, auto pass. No need to take a roll. It's just that guarantee, that that knowledge that, you know, this model is safe or this objective is safe no matter what happens, because I have a Sentinel that can make that model auto-pass for the turn. And that was makes him so, so, so good. And the Terror, you know, as Jeremy said, helps break up your opponent's armies. And particularly when the, you're playing the Sentinels on the flanks, can be really annoying to have to deal with, particularly if uh, you're low courage. They're always a good purchase. And the answer is, I think Kylie's the rule is pretty good. Two to three in most armies is about the numbers you want. You, you can go heavy, especially if you know that you're going against low courage armies. It can really move them around. But I, I think if you take two or three, you're always going to be rewarded. And, and I'll do the same in, in Thranduil's Halls as well. I think they have access to it as well. Go for it. The Sentinels, I, I think they're one of the best warriors in the game just because they... They do their job so well. They, they. If you looked at nothing else, just other than their profile and their bow, you'd probably say, "Yeah, that that's not terrible. It's it's been overcosted." But that that song is just the best value magic in the whole game. And and look from a from when I'm playing elves, I think it's amazing. When I'm not playing elves, I sort of wonder why it's you're able to do why that every this? turn. Where yeah. why isn't mm. it a free will a turn and like a three plus to cast or something like that? Because it is it is that good. It should be. It should be something that, that you can go against, but it's it's not. It's got its own magic rules, and it's some ways it's more efficient than, than your big spellcasters. Like, think about that three of these or four of these compared to something like a Gandalf. You're probably getting more magic dominance just from the, the Sentinels. Hmm. Yeah, it's the old, um, you know, multiple basic ring rates versus one of the big wizards, and the ring rates tend to come out on top purely through numbers. So, yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And I'd actually like to see some more models in the game that kind of have this, you know, they're very expensive for a single wound model. I'd like to see more of that. I'd like to see stuff that has a powerful effect, but you, you're risking a lot by taking them and you have to be careful with them and you have to use them properly. Just something I'd like to see more in the game overall. Hmm. And one other, one other thing uh, that I'd also like to, to kind of point out with the Sentinels um, is... Don't be afraid to throw the uh, courage test uh, movement on heroes, uh, particularly if you're already engaged in, you, in your opponent. Uh, the armored elves love love it when you do this. You know, th throw the courage test out. At, at, you know, like a Malka or 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 a Gorbag, Grishnak, Shagrat. You know, even a Suladan at times. It more often than not, your opponent's going to pass that courage test. But 
mostly because if they fail by one or two points, you can force out some will points, or if you're really lucky, some might points, and that can be really, really handy, just to, you know, occasionally take off a will or a might point off a big hero who's in a combat, can be can be really, really beneficial kind of going long term. So don't be ever afraid to, if you don't have a target, just chuck it out of here and, you know, if you're lucky, you might get a, they might roll a snake eyes or a three or something like that or, and have to use their resources to, to get out of that problem. Yeah, true. I think Jeremy touched on it. Yeah, the, just the fact that your opponent has to play around the potentially, like, shattering failed courage test on an important model makes sentinels worth their weight in gold just the fact that you know your opponent cannot have their cave troll anywhere where you could potentially just pull it out of their lines and just gank it with your, your fight six pikes you know uh, it, it's nasty it's nasty com to come up against i think i have fought kylie when she was using four of them and uh well it didn't end well for me from memory no, it often doesn't, and and it's mm. you almost have to decide that sometimes the centrals pull pull a model in a certain direction, then your whole army ends up following them just to to make sure you can not not give her the chance to take advantage of that. And it, it is tough to play against them, and it's fun to play with them. And and look, if you're playing Lothorian, take advantage of them. They're they're definitely worthwhile. And with a special rule as well, it, one of the easy ways to get rid of them would just be to pop them with like a sorceress blast or something like that. But you have to get near them so you can see them, and then you have to go through their resistance to magic as well, which is always nice. Yeah. Now the I other think that's one. That's, I think that's what makes Sentinels so oppressive is the fact that they're so safe with the Elven Cloak. You can just stick them at the back of the board and behind a terrain feature, behind a wood, behind a wall or, or a building, and they can pretty much, they'll basically be untargetable for the, the majority of the game. You got six inches to your line and then six inches behind that, and you've still got this great coverage area that you can do. On top of the fact you can move and then use the spell. And, and continue moving, correct? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you move forward three inches. Drop the drop drop the uh, Aldermar Madrigal and then move three inches back. So you, you got some really cool things to play around with. One other thing I, I just like to quickly last thing we're going to point out the Sentinels is uh, their interaction with uh, Compel. So occasionally your opponent will you know they'll see that you have a Sentinel and they'll go aha I'm going to you know put all of my uh, auto pass courage models around the the one model that you want to spell or something like that and you go okay use a Galadriel or a Wizard or something to compel one of the models in front of it that can auto-pass, move them out of the way, then throw the Wood Elf Sentinel over the top to to move that particular model that you want to get out, out of the way. Particularly with stuff like Shades, uh, the Goblin King, you know, Cave Drakes, uh, Moria Goblins, you know, boxing in something like a troll. These are all really good uh, ways to, to get around that opponent playing around you. Mm. Yes, 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 yes. So the other thing we haven't really spoken about yet in the tactics and in the Keep It Secret is the Gladrum Knights, because they're, they're your cavalry models. And they've also got some captains as well that could be that, that knight model. So I just wanted to very quickly touch on how I like to use these models, because I, I do rate them, but not in the same way that you normally do cavalry. So there's, there's a couple reasons for it. I think the year, year classic anti-cavalry cavalry, so having it just a few of them, even if it's two or three of them, just for when the hero comes in on the charge, they go and receive the charge, they make sure they're in a position to cancel that. I think they're worth it for that. But also, I like these in the Armadale Force as my, my bow elves. 
because if you put the bow on them, you put them on a horse, you can move with the speed of the, the rest of your army. So you can keep moving because you don't want to be too still this army. But also then if you're playing around on the flanks, getting good arcs, getting shots, making sure you're picking shots at banners and all that sort of nice stuff. When you do go into combat, these guys can really help just increase the kill count on, on things like flanks and, and areas or even objective grabbers and, and all those little skirmishes that are remain from the away from the main battle line. So I definitely think they're worthwhile. They definitely pale in comparison to the Rivendell Knights, but they play a good role for this army as well. Kylie, do you ever use them? Um, occasionally. I haven't really experimented with them too much lately, mostly because I'm, I'm really kind of like hung up on the on the infantry elves and playing that kind of macro positioning game. But one thing that I can see myself using them for is taking two or three of them, uh, specifically, like you said, Jeremy, to rob your opponent of their charge bonuses. Being able to deny an Aragorn, an Azog, a Bog, one of these big cavalry heroes, their charge bonuses can be worth its weight in gold. Them not getting a knockdown, uh, if they do win the strike off or they do win a combat, can... Turn a game around. It can blunt a charge, particularly when you have your own five, six elves uh, rocking around. These guys uh, are opportunistic, and I think that's the best word to describe the, the Galadriel crowd, is be opportunistic with them. Keep them in positions where they can react really well to oncoming threats. Say someone dukes to the side, you can use your cavalry to get ahead of them. Say someone comes in and charges, you can use it to counter charge. You can use them to get in behind your opponent, pick off some... some um, some spearmen and stuff like that, or possibly even charge in to get a good trap against your cavalry and uh, your infantry, kind of like a hammer and anvil kind of stuff. And that's, that's I think, the best way you can use uh, Galadrian cavalry is as this opportunistic role. Yeah, on top of that, I'd, I'd like to add that I think they have a really special place in a primarily wood elf list. And the reason I say that is what they can potentially do much like how the Mirkwood Elves, not Mirkwood, the, the Wood Elves use forest to their advantage, they're, they're like that on steroids. They can charge with Fleetfoot right through the forest, attack something on the other side and melt away, and, and they're just gone, you know? If you're moving half through that forest, they're gone. They, then you're not going to catch them. In addition, one of the hardest things to do when you're playing against Wood Elves is to constantly like stay on the front foot in terms of trying to catch them if you have a handful of cavalry around the flanks and your opponent hesitates to move into their charge range that is huge for the rest of your force that is huge for the wood elves the wood elves are going to take that and they're absolutely going to run with it if your opponent doesn't blast full force trying to catch those wood elves they're going to run rings around them and your opponent's just going to straight up lose so the cavalry in that regard is a great way of just forcing your opponent to hesitate and to potentially make mistakes. And a, a handful of mistakes is all a good Wood Elf player needs. Hmm. Yeah. You, you, hit, you hit actually a really, really good point there, there Matty. Particularly if you're playing against these guys. Like, any good player playing against Wood Elves wants to be going for the VPs on the table. You need to pressure the Wood Elves by... Forcing them to engage you. The best way to do that is usually with a leader. You know, go after the leader victory points, or if it's one of the the shell games, one where you hide victory points, go after the heroes. And you're right. If if you hesitate against them, they will absolutely crush you. There is nothing worse than kind of not quite moving full speed, 
and them getting hit with a cap charge or being hit with a, a volley of throwing weapons. And you can you can even take that a step further where you can almost do double setups. Like you combine cab with sentinels, you have some amazing attack range there. Your opponent, you know, might hesitate to, to move forward, not quite go that full six inches, maybe go four or five to stay out of the range. You have a sentinel, bring forward a guy, and you jump all your cab in with a with a Galadrium captain. Heroic combat, you're either smacking someone where they don't expect or completely leapfrogging past them and now right behind them and you've got them fully enveloped. So there are really cool things you can do with the cab and the sentinels in uh, in tandem. 100% Kylie, it seems like I've converted you so I'm pretty happy about that. <laughs> I don't think I, I needed to be converted but <laughs> I think it's, it's, it's like it's my personal preference. I, I prefer to run you know, a more of a macro uh, style because one thing I think we don't really talk about much when we're building lists and stuff is if you're adding something like a Sentinel or a Galadrium Cavalry model, you have to ask yourself what you're giving up. So three Sentinels, for instance, are 75 points. That's seven elves right there that you could have instead of three Wood Elf Sentinels. That's a model difference of four, and that can be pretty huge, and Cavalry have the same kind of tax on them. You're trading in two elves for for one cavalry model so if you're taking you know three or four cab you're giving up another three models that you could have to increase your model count and like we talked about earlier um with with the macro style that you can do with um galadrim and get your model count really really high you know up into the 40s you need to be really making a conscious decision of what am i giving up to put this in my list because the Galadrim do have some really expensive models and you have to make some really, really insightful choices about which of these really amazing models in the Sentinels, the Galadrim Court Guard and the Galadrim Cavalry that you are in fact going to be putting into your list. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think all of those uh, key units that you, you mentioned there, you need to know what the place is in the army and what you're giving up, the opportunity cost. Absolutely, 100% agree. Yeah, that's been a bit of a theme lately as well. I, I like that, yes. Yeah, you, you have to have a reason for it, and I think that's why you're probably going to avoid doing the, the mass cavalry army with this one. I, I still think the Rivendell Knights are the way to go if you want to go mass elf cavalry. These guys, it's a, it's a nice little extra. They're, they're lovely models. You can sprinkle them in, but unless you're doing something like a scenario or something just quirky, you're probably not going to go mass cavalry. And, and a small number of them even up to your six you're probably going to find some value for because they are elves they are high fight value cavalry models that's pretty good that threatens threatens heroes like anything like it's just just going at an orc captain or a, uh, like any of those named orc captains or anything along those lines having a single knight charge that means that they have to think about using the strike or if they don't have that they have to think about how quickly they're going to die because it, it's pretty scary to get hit by an elf cavalry Absolutely. All right. I, I think that just about covers uh, the Keep It Secret. Did you? Did either of you have anything else to add there? Not in this segment, no. Scenario Spotlight. Lothlorien. Though he has fallen into the Black Pit of Moria, Gandalf the Grey has felled the Balrog and brought his companions enough time to escape the fallen Dwarven Kingdom. However, though they have managed to exit the Misty Mountains, the Fellowship have no time to grieve for their fallen friend, for the Goblins of Moria still pursue them with relentless ferocity. 
Desperate for refuge, Aragorn leads a fellowship towards the forest of Lothlorien, the home of the Galadrim, in the hope that they will be able to find sanctuary within the bowels of the forest. Yet the journey is difficult, and the fellowship is still being chased by the goblins, who are intent on laying low those who ventured into their kingdom. With the borders of Lothlorien in sight, Aragorn urges his companions forth for one last push as they cross the Silverlode. It is not just Moria goblins that now pursue the fellowship, for the wags of the Misty Mountains have joined the goblin allies in the hunt and now hound the fellowship as they run for safety. The fellowship are tired and weary, and it will take every ounce of strength, determination and endurance they have left to allow them to reach the safety of the borders of Lothlorien. Even if they can muster their strength and continue onwards, they may still require some unseen aid to fend off their pursuers, who are closing in around them. Okay, Lothlorien from the Quest of the Ringbearer book. So this is a, I think it's like a, a reimagining of an older scenario. Is that right? There was a very similar one back in the day. You two would know a lot yes. more about that than me. Yes, yeah. almost, almost, almost identical. Yeah, very, Indeed. very, very okay. So what we see uh, drawn here is the, uh, the the board will have one river on one side of the board on the west. Uh, it represents the edge of Lothlorien. There should be a river running from north to south, and it's about six inches wide and six inches from the western board edge. There's a four-inch wide ford in the center of the river, forming a good place to cross. You're probably going to be crossing there. Mm, it's a good place to cross. The, Indeed. <laughs> the rest of the board should be dotted with trees, rocks, and bushes. So a nice little bit of terrain representing the outskirts of Lothlorien. Our starting positions here will be the good player deploys the fellowship within six inches of the eastern bank of the river. So you're probably going to be doing the maximum six inches towards the east. The evil player then deploys the goblins anywhere west of the river, probably near that good place to cross that we mentioned earlier. Mm. All other models are kept aside for later in the game. Okay, so our objectives for this game. The Fellowship are being chased by the goblins and wags and must reach the safety of Lothlorien if they are to escape. The game lasts until one player has completed their objective. The good player wins if four or more members of the Fellowship, including Frodo, escape the board via the eastern board edge. So you have to have Frodo crossing over. The evil player wins if four or more members of the Fellowship are slain. So, less than half, only four. Additionally, if Frodo is slain, the evil player automatically wins. So you need to get more than half the Fellowship across the board if you're on the good side. Yep. Go for the participants uh, now, Matt, because uh, we haven't gone through them now, and, and our listeners who maybe don't have the book are probably wondering what actually is here in Lothlorien. No problem. So we're starting with the Fellowship. We have... Frodo Baggins with Sting and a Mithril Coat, Samwise Gamgee, Meriadoc Brandybuck, Peregrine Took, Aragorn Strider, and he has a bow with him in this scenario, Legolas, Gimli, Boromir with a shield, and finally the Elves of Lothlorien who are coming to help. We have Haldir with Elf Bow, and six Wood Elf Warriors with Elf Bow. So not too many Elves, just a scouting force, but they'll be attempting to assist the Fellowship in getting across the board. The special rules for the scenario are hidden in the trees. At the start of the game, the good player places six 25mm markers numbered 1 to 6 in the eastern half of the board, anywhere in the eastern half. These markers may not be placed within 6 inches of another marker. 
As soon as any good model moves within 12 inches of the eastern board edge, the good player rolls a d6 and deploys the elves within 6 inches of the corresponding marker. So they could end up on any of those markers. Um, you're probably going to be trying to get near them if you can, if you're on the fellowship side. But uh, yeah, otherwise the elves may not charge on a turn in which they arrive, but can act normally. Weary from the chase. Good models may not use heroic march in this scenario. Mm. Very important. And finally, the wargs. At the end of each evil move phase, D6 warg models may enter the board via the rules for reinforcements from a board edge chosen by the player with priority. A different board edge may be chosen for each warg. So, I've immediately noticed something. Uh, have both of you? Yeah. Yep. Hmm. <laughs> I think when we played this scenario, we may not have noticed Wary from the chase. And when I say we, Good Kylie was in charge of reading the special rules. Kylie, Kylie was <laughs> in charge of reading the special rules. Yes. Uh, uh, we won't I... make that mistake again, listeners. No, no, no. Don't no. worry. Uh, I would. I would like to also. Uh point out that you guys should know by now that if you put me <laughs> on reading the book, you uh, need someone to proof me. Yeah, I said that. I said double check it. And you you like hugged the book. You like wouldn't let us have it. And there's no, I've got this. I've got this. I guarantee it. That's a load of Kahui. You know full well, if you walk up and grab the book off me, that's it. The book's off me. Fair enough. But I trusted you and I shouldn't have. Actually, no, help me. on the green dragon. <laughs> yeah. um, Matt, I don't think you went... Like, we've got the Wags rule. I don't think you talked about the evil participants, did you? I don't recall that. Uh, oh, yeah, my mistake. Sorry. So that was just the good side I mentioned. On the evil side, you, of course, have the goblins, consisting of two Mario Goblin captains, uh, 24 Mario Goblins, eight with shield, eight with spear, and eight with orc bow. Uh, for the Wags, you have one Wild Wag chieftain and 18 Wild Wags that are following him. Yeah, lots of Wild Wags, lots and lots of them. And the Wild Wags are the ones that are jumping on all the board edges, so they help you out. So uh, initially, this, this scenario, we played it, we made the mistake. We forgot the weary from the chase, which because uh, we, we played it so many times before, we just sort of went to, to the old mode almost, and, and the Fellowship did get to march. But And, and immediately we thought that this is going to be impossible to win for the evil side, which luckily that's in the special rules. But what we had, Kylie, was actually a pretty good game, didn't we? Hmm. I got a, like, to be fair, we were playing with Marks, but I got lucky with the WAG placement. So I managed to get basically win priority three turns in a row and then plonked probably the majority of the WAGs in front of Jeremy. Mm, yeah, it was a bunch of them. Like, what, like six turned up one turn, I think it was, and you got priority three turns in a row, so they just kept piling up. But, uh, yeah, I think w without the March, this, this, this scenario would be... Uh, I mean, it's always going to be tilted towards the Fellowship just because of how much uh, you can micro with the Fellowship and how much you can play off the resources. But that's that's kind of the challenge with the list is, uh, with the scenario, is, you know, learning how to micro with the Fellowship. If you know how to micro with the Fellowship, this is a really kind of a good way to stretch your muscles, get the most out of every little advantage, you know, make sure that your combat synergies with Legolas and Gimli are going off. Having Aragorn getting her at combats, getting the procs with Sam, using Merry and Pippin as little mic factories, tapping in uh, 
into Boromir's uh, six points and mine. It's all about the little interaction. Counting how many kills held you, uh, not held you, uh, held, how many kills Legolas and Gimli get, so you can make Gimli an insane tank. <laughs> <laughs> That's always fun. I always forget that rule, and when when you get get it going, it's it's always good fun. Uh, yeah. So this scenario, it's. One of the fellowship ones that I, I really, really like in that you're playing against interesting forces. So going against the goblins and also the really quick wargs is a bit of a challenge because it means that they, they can get to you and they can cause problems. The warg chieftain takes a while to get through for the fellowship, so he's a bit of a, a tank. And the goblin captains are sneaky dangerous because if they get into someone weak, they can actually hurt them. So they're, they're, you've got some, some opponents that are a bit dangerous. But also, I love the addition of the wood elves and Haldir in this one because they're, they're so fragile that they can die really easily. But they're also incredibly useful because you can create that bubble shield where I need to protect some hobbits. I'll throw a line of elves there. And when they win combat, it's just, just glorious. And, and if you have time, if you place them in a nice spot, you might get a few shots off just peppering a few key goblins. So I really, really like the participants in this one. And I really like the mission in that it's a run from one side of the board to the other. I think that's where the, the fellowship and all hero type scenarios are really at their peak. And the other thing I really love about this scenario is have you noticed the names don't have like trademark or anything like that after them? How nice is it not <laughs> to have true. that? I just love it. <laughs> Lovely. Yes, yes. I, I think it's the last time I'll, I'll mention the march, but when, we, when I was watching you both play it the other day, we basically, I think we came to the conclusion... The goblin captains are calling four heroic marches, and that's it. Uh, now that we're aware that the good side uh, can't call marches, how do you still feel that breakdown of might is going to work? Do you think those captains are still going to be calling marches early? What do you reckon? Heroic moves. I think. Heroic, I think one march at the very start of the game to get you out of that choke point in the uh, in the river, and then I think it's just run out them full speed. Get onto the fellowship because one march is, has basically cut down a turn for you, and that's all you really need to do. Then, then the combats, the fighting, are happening kind of in the center of the board, and then it's your part. Then the, the fellowship's kind of just kind of try and start sneaking the hobbits out and stuff. Um, I think that's one of the really cool, interesting things about pretty much every single fellowship scenario is you're always moving at the speed of the hobbits, and that can make things really, really, really interesting in terms of scenarios. You can almost predict where the combats in a game are going to happen. And it's basically, bang, where the hobbits, you know, their little legs won't get them as far as the rest of the fellowship. And you get these really cool, interesting dynamics, particularly with uh, a lot of the missions being about getting Frodo forward or getting Frodo out of trouble. Yeah, I, I think I think a couple marches would definitely be really tempting, but I do think you want to challenge the the fellowship on those heroic moves because the fellowship Aragorn pretty much calls heroic moves whenever he can. So they, they always want to move first. They always want to get into the position where they're able to move. Cause if you stop them moving a turn, that's incredibly useful for the, for the evil side. So they want to keep heroic moving. So I feel like challenging that on a couple key turns might be really good. It's those turns where you can get a goblin between the elves and the, the hobbits and, and actually have a legitimate run at them. Because you only have to kill four members of the Fellowship and four of them are, are hobbits. So if you can take out a, a Merry or Pippin early, it really does put the pressure on the others. And usually in these scenarios, what happens is you lose your, your Merry and Pippin, then either Sam or Legolas goes, and then, then it's if you can get one more kill, you're all good as an evil player. So... I think I think the march is definitely a good option for the, the evil player, but you don't want to probably go too into it because I feel like 
the heroic move is the way to go. Heroic combat, I wouldn't bother with because, once again, if you're killing a member of the Fellowship, that's probably enough, unless it was a depra- desperation move where you absolutely had to go and kill two in one turn before they get off next turn. And heroic shoot. Yeah, I probably would avoid that. Yeah, no, fair enough. <laughs> no heroic challenge around or anything like that? Who knows? <laughs> Can anyone her challenge? I don't think so. I don't think so. That's, a, that's no. a being, me being silly. Uh, I, I think this is a really good one. And I think if, you, if you're going through the Quest of the Ring Bearer book, I would not avoid this one. I know it wasn't really in the, the movies that much because I think this scene was one that they originally started filming and then cut out. But I, I just kind of cool to have different characters show up. The the advent of um, like Haldir and the, the Wood Elves helping out is really, really fun. And... Like it's it's one of the, more so than a lot of the scenarios. It's one of the ones that really does put the pressure on the fellowship. So I, I kind of I, I like this. It looks really cool. Playing in a forest is always fun. The river river basically bottlenecks, which is nice. The fellowship could deploy towards one of the sides, so the goblins had to go a little bit on diagonal, which would probably be pretty useful. But then you've got wags coming at you in one turn as well if you need to. So. And maybe the elves end up on the wrong side of the board. So you've got some choices to make as as both players. I, I like this one. I think it's a cool one. And I want to get back. Let's play it again sometime and make sure we don't stuff up that rule. Look, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm really bad with that kind of stuff. Okay, Matt, you are officially uh, so, on rule books every time we play a scenario I'll, now. I'll be on rule book duty next time. I probably yeah, you know what? You know what? That's, that's 100% fine. It's... Hundred percent. I, I I begrudgingly agree. Yeah, Kyle, you're on hype. You've just got to get us all excited. Matt, you're on. You can do the accounting, and uh, I'll just provide all the models. <laughs> Easy. Excellent, excellent. But, um, uh, just one one last piece of trivia. That iconic picture of the Mario Goblin um, that we've seen, I think, printed on many of the books and in the sort of background uh, lore stuff. I, it was. I think it was on the front of. In the last edition, the uh, Moria and Angmar book, if you recall, um, that was I think from that scene that got cut from the film, and you know all the actors were all done up, they were all in their prosthetics and everything, and that actual shot was from that scene. So, if anyone ever asks you why that's not in the movie, that was that's the reason. Yeah, you know, it's I, I kind of wish it was, or maybe maybe in the deleted scenes. I know I don't think it got fully fully into it because it's just. It's just a cool thing as well to have them fighting through through that, and and just anytime you get to see owls fight, as long as they're not on skateboards, looks really cool. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, that look. All that's right, a fun well, scenario. There's not a lot of Lothlorien scenarios in the current rule books, but that's a good one, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. We'll we'll move on to the next scenario. Uh, pff, the next scenario. <laughs> well, next week we'll move on to the next scenario. Mm. But right now we're moving on to our next segment. Mustering an up. This is going to be a very special muster because mm. we are starting off with a tournament-winning list, <laughs> Kylie. Yes, a uh, very recent tournament. 
Yes, way, way to stroke my ego, Maddie. Um, <laughs> yes, I did manage to win Minimize recently with Galadrum, and this is this is what's kind of got me on the Galadrum bandwagon recently. I was so, so impressed with uh, what they could do, and I'll get into my list right now. So in Warband 1, we have Kelleborn with Heavy Armor, Shield, uh, the Sword. Uh, yeah, Heavy Armor, Shield, Sword. He doesn't have anything else. Why did I think he had something else? That doesn't matter. <laughs> Kelleborn with the, with the Kitchen Sink. Uh, he's leading three Galadrum Warriors with Elf Bow, two Galadrum Warriors with Shield, six Guards of the Galadrum Court, and one Wood Elf Sentinel, coming in at 13 models at 300 points. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've got, uh, basically, you've talked about Galadrum Court. The the, the amount of Galadrum Court to, to models here is really, really high. So everything's getting a, a fight six combat if it needs it. The Sentinel we talked about at length. And Caliborn, at this level, at 300 points, he's probably going to be the toughest thing on the battlefield most of the time. So And plus, having having that little bit of magic might be enough just going into that one hero that can match you and just doing that that sneaky what is it the uh it, it's not a transfix it's a, it's a good version of that where you stop immobilize. immobilize just to stop them striking so you can go in and maintain your fight value looks pretty good three bows that's enough that's plenty in this 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 four, bows. four bows is it oh yeah sentinel has a bow as well yeah that's plenty yeah that's plenty to just just threaten the opponent come forward and you've got a kylie i imagine i didn't see the game but i imagine you played in such a condensed formation with the the army that you um that you had such high density attacks you don't have a banner i've noticed but because you've got the pike block that's almost playing the role of the banner instead. So that's doing the maximizing the attacks, whereas you normally just use the banner to get that one extra attack. I feel like you're probably using your pike block to do that. Am I right? Yeah, pretty much. I, I was agonizing of what to do with the last 25 points because there were some real options. Uh, there, either take a cavalry model or up, take a couple of cavalry models there. Uh, I could have taken a banner instead of the sentinel, or take the sentinel, which is the one I ended up opting for. I figured the the ability to control my opponent, you know, make things like trolls and bats ones go away. And as it turned out, came in clutch because uh, that sentinel was able to do some really key things. Uh, in one game, it forced out a might point of Malher. In another, it allowed me to get an absolute flash kill on a bat swarm. Just went. Courage test on the bat swarm, brought him forward, charged it with everything, and then just immediately killed it. So the, the sentinel in that uh, particular instance of this particular tournament came in absolutely clutch for me. Uh, I could see how, though how the banner could be really really useful, being able to multiply that attacks um, could have gone a long way. But the the real thing that I want to talk about with this particular list is the way you set up your formation. So what you want to do is, because you have such a large amount of Galadrum Court Guard, you basically want to make sure that every single one of your models is always in contact with a Galadrum Court Guard at pretty much every possible opportunity. What this does is it means that your opponent's heroes, particularly at that level 5, 6 uh, heroes, are usually your opponent's leader. Your opponent's leader can't find an avenue to go in without them risking losing the combat. And that's really, really, really important, particularly, like you said, Jeremy, Playing in that really dense kind of ball forces forces some really awkward uh, engages for your opponent. And particularly when I'm playing at this uh, really kind of weird five inch mark for my opponents, five to four inches, it means that when they do charge me, if they choose to engage me, they are going into the one part of my army that they can charge with my pipe block. So pretty much whenever I'm receiving a charge, I'm only giving him Kelleborn, the two guys with shield to charge, and maybe an elf if I, 
Elfwick bow if I can't avoid it. And then the rest of the Gladium Court card are supporting those four models. So your opponent can go, yeah, I'm going to go in and charge, but they're going to be copying a bu bucket load of attacks in reply. And that's what makes this list really, really, really funky, particularly if you can get a couple of your archers sneaking around the side to get the spear supports your opponent might have in response. Uh, how often did Kelleborn's spells come into play? Uh, every single game. They were massive. Absolutely massive. Uh, his Enchanted Blaze uh, allowed me to basically insta-give uh, two um, of the Grimhammers in the game that I played against... Uh, Jacob, which was really, 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 really important. Being able to get those couple of extra kills was was absolutely massive. Uh, but on top of that as well, um, the you know extra immobilizer on something like alerts or a, or a goblin captain was really, really handy just to either chip off that will point to allow my sentinel to have a bit more of a go at them, or uh, as we found out, kind of moving forward, allow us to go in for the you know a, a play on them, even with just basic guys. Because once a model is a big model like alerts is transfixed. You can pretty much just go in with Elves and Galadrim and have a crack at him, maybe chip off a couple of wounds and then let Colorborn come in later and uh, get the get the coup de grace and finish him off. Mm, yeah, I feel like Colorborn's spells almost shine at a lower level. The the smaller the game, the more they're doing because they're they're easier to cast. They uh, they're they're a little bit more dynamic at that point. Later on in the big games, they're almost sometimes they're forgettable. Uh, you can use them, but you're often trying to find a time when to use them. But in a small game, like Kylie's mentioned, there's those key moments where okay, now I'm going against the one big tough thing. Okay, chant a blades it up, or now I'm going to I'm going in and I just need to freeze this one model and then have have Caliborn freeze a model and then the Sentinel move a model and then suddenly their big threats have gone. So I, I think it, it does play a role. I almost um, wish a few more of the heroes had this little micro spell, some of the combat heroes, because I think it's a really cool way of playing it. Uh, it is a sometimes a, a bit of a risk, but because you've got that resistance to magic and you're probably not playing very many spellcasts at this level, you can spend the will to do that. His courage is high enough that you're probably not going to fail courage test. And if you're even worried about it a little bit, you've got the Sentinel friend to back you up. Yeah, ab yeah. absolutely. Ab absolutely. I've also found uh, with Caliborn, and I'll get into this later, but there's some other ways to leverage his spells that I'll get into in my uh, my bigger 750-point list. But uh, mm. yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, nice list. And, and look, it did well, and that's that's partly because of your skill, but also because it's got the tools to deal with absolutely everything at that points level. Like, I can, uh, I wasn't there, Kylie, once again, but I can imagine there was nothing you faced and said, oh, I don't have the tools to deal with this. I think Jacob's Army was the one where I went, oh, I, I might have a, it might be a bit sketchy here if I don't get a couple of early kills with shooting. But then Caliborn went in on that one turn with the Enchanted Blades up, and I went, oh, that's what that's what this spell's there for. It's, it's there to help you get through the Defense 7, Defense 8 models. Yeah, and that's it. And once you get a couple of them down, you can just break even, and you've got the high fight throw, so winning more fights. So, absolutely. Okay, I'm going to go to, to my one next, Kylie. I've got a 650-point army. So, Lothlorien, pure 650. Uh, it's a pretty common level now. I feel like lots of people are wanting to, to us to make 650 lists. I don't know if any major tournaments have changed to that, but it seems to be pretty common. We've got... Uh, Warband 1, Heldia. Heldia is a really good leader at low points levels. So Elven Cloak and Elf Bow, you'll notice no armor here. So just the uh, the one we see in the movie for the very first time when, when Gimli's making a lot of noise and he can hear him. Uh, we've got four Wood Elf Warriors with throwing daggers. 
We've got five Wood Elf Warriors of Throne Daggers and Wood Elf Spear. So, of course, they come with a blade already, and they come with a cloak. Uh, three Wood Elf Warriors with Elf Bow and a Sentinel. So, 13 models in that first warband. Nothing too special. Lots of Throne Daggers and uh, some bows and some spears hanging around and a Sentinel. Warband 2, I've gone for Haldir's brother, Rumil. I know I've talked about him before, how I don't like him because of the, the model, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something about that. Because this is my, my little favorite unit in uh, Lothlorien, and I, I, I configure it differently depending on what I play. I'm doing the Rumil version of it. The Caliborn version of it is pretty cool as well. But it's Rumil leading a guarded Galadrim court with banner. So you swap out the pike for a banner. Yes, you get fight six still. It's just, it's such a cool looking banner, Kylie. I'm doing this for the look of it. And then we've got seven guards of the Galadrim Court. So I've got, uh, similar to what you're doing, a little little formation that goes and just backs up wherever the, the first combats are and helps me out. And Rumel's a really good good way to receive a charge because it's really hard to get rid of Rumel. He's, he's quite defensive and he can match it with most things, even things that are bigger than him. Then Warband 3, very similar to my Haldir Warband. I've got uh, Wood Elf Captain with bow and throwing daggers. I went for both. Normally I choose one or the other, but I just thought, why not Why not put them both on for this guy? Wood Elf Captain, Elf Bow, throwing daggers, four Wood Elf Warriors of throwing daggers, four with the throwing daggers and spear, three with bow and a sentinel as well. So I've ended up with 36 models at 650. This is the avoidance pajama version with a little bit of a, a twist in that I've got the, the Galadrum Court as as a small combat warband that I can just go and back up any of my, my pajama elves and suddenly be, they become incredibly formidable. Uh, the only thing I just off the top of my head would say is that you haven't quite got maximum bows. Is that right? Uh, you maybe like could get a couple more. Are in you there? counting the sentinels in there, Matt? Oh yeah. I can yeah, get, I can yeah, get a so... few more, three more, maybe I, I mm. the way I play this is that the, the throwing daggers tend to do more work than the bows. So I, I, yes, I agree with you. I could probably drop some throwing daggers into bows, and that's something that that anyone who's playing this could definitely do. But I, I the way I play it, it's usually that that close range move, 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 move. So the the bow shots, uh, I think I've got enough to to do some scarce. What I've got eight uh, plus the two heroes. So I think that that's... eight two with Haldir. Yeah, yeah, you've still got plenty of shots. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going, I'm going eleven shots if I need it, which is okay. But you're right, you could turn it up to fourteen and go go really aggressive. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. I I do like the like I, I'm actually interested like what your opinion is on how exactly the Guard of the Galadrim Court warband sort of functions with the rest of the list. Yep. Um, it, it, in a sort of I, I can see how it would work when you're setting up on one side, right? Or when you have a single um, deployment zone. But if your army is split up, um, how do you feel that the rest of the army is going to function sort of around that? So this, um, I've played similar armies where you've got one combat warband and then everything else avoidance. So it's a very similar setup to... Do you remember that Merkwood Ranger Force I took to that th- three-player tournament in Sydney uh, that we went to? Uh, yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I remember. I, I know exactly the kind of style that you you're thinking the, of. Jeremy. The palace guards, yeah, wasn't it? yeah, it was a palace guard. Yeah, so yeah. it does exactly the same thing. So what it does is, I deploy it. Probably it's my first deployment, and I deploy it that like nine inches back from the opponent, just in the middle of the board, and it its first move is just to run somewhere. It doesn't really matter where. It it's big enough that with the banner and with the the pikes and the pikes and shield, that if it does get engaged early, it could just defend and just hold its ground. But it, it is, initially, it's an avoidance warband. 
And then what it does is the the wood elf warbands, the pajama elves, are, are the bait. So they they just pepper so much, they harass so much that when the opponent finally runs at one and catches one, this warband literally just runs behind that warband and and generates a huge amount of attacks. So what I'm trying to do is is make it look like it's just out of range to support, but it's not. It just jumps behind. Rumor might not get in first turn. He might. He might not. But if these pikes and the banner get behind and be able to support that first weak-looking combat, suddenly it, it's advantage me. So it, it's that backing up line, and it works really well in that that it can abandon ship. If Just say I've got a few Wood Elf Warriors with throwing daggers and these guys backing them up, and it's looking bad. They can just leg it out of there and go to a different part of the battlefield. So what it means is they can move at full speed. Uh, their, their high defense means that the opponent doesn't target them as much, even though they probably should. So it's yes, they're... they're point higher. I'm not getting huge value out of that, but they they are surprisingly re- resilient because of the the uh, the pikes can be used as shields. Rumor can just tank pretty much anything. Like if I want to just just like something big comes and I just want to hold it up, Rumor can do that. He's not the leader, so that could be his job. He could just die and be be a pure tank. But they they play that just backing up role and what it does is it just adds a bit of uh bit of uh danger to my combats because the the wood elves normally the biggest problem they have is once you you run at them really quickly, they're in a bit of trouble. So this this warband's really nice. It does limit their their throwing daggers and their the shooting options, but it's really not that much, and it's it's a nice centerpiece as well. So, does that answer the question? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, when when you mentioned the the palace guard, uh, was it Mirkwood Ranger? Yeah. List? Um, yeah, yeah. It all came flooding back. I do remember. Yeah. It was pretty pretty good. Um, it worked well. Yes, absolutely, and the same sort of basis. It's really interesting because this is not the kind of list I would write. I'd look at that and I'd go, it feels asymmetrical to, to me even though it's really not it's, it's not asymmetrical it just functions together differently to how i would normally build my armies so really cool great point mm. Mm. i i don't mind it at all i actually think it's 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 a pretty interesting way of running it i think at 650 this is the exact points level that you would want to run a list like this uh simply because the threats uh coming in towards you are a bit more manageable whereas it you know, something like a 750 or an 800, that there are models that are a bit too oppressive, that okay, just a bit too much for, for this list to 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 deal with. Um, at 650, Rumble's going to pretty much tank out pretty much anything. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm more than happy to just throw him against the biggest threat on that turn that, that they charge me, and then everything else can do work. Yeah, and primarily the way that you're going to take down those really big threats is by chipping wounds off them with with your bows and throwing daggers anyway. So, you know, a couple of failed turns in combat and suddenly they're probably down for the count. I've also got one of the best attacking formations that elves have in that, like, a little cheapo wood elf warrior with two-handed... It's a hand-and-a-half sword, so I go two-handed with that, backed up by two pikes of the Gladrum Court, and that does damage. It it actually really Uh... helps out. Sorry, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the Wood Elf Warriors don't actually have hand and a half. You are wrong. They have hand and a half. They do? They okay, have hand and mind. a half. I must be thinking of someone else. It's uh, the Sentinels that don't have hand and a half. The now, Sentinels for some, don't. For some okay. really, really weird reason, um, uh, Rumble doesn't now either. Oh, okay. There you go. Honestly, he's... I knew there was someone missing it. Yeah, I'm happy <laughs> with him going one sword, especially because he's got a shield, so... So you can imagine that it's a bit harder to use that. But it's um, also the Cav don't have a hand and a half. But the Wood Elves yeah, do. Yeah, the Cav and because, uh, 
like their job in combat is to do lots of damage, and you don't mind if you lose a couple of them. That formation, I, I'm normally not a big fan of two-handed weapons, but when they're backed up by by two supports, they suddenly they win the majority of their fights, and when they win things, they kill things. They they really do make a mess of things. So especially if you, you you're fainting at the front, probably, so you're going two-handed fainting. You're looking at fives to wound most things, re-rolling ones with the the pike support backing you up that might chip off some damage as well. That that can be pretty pretty dangerous. So I, I do like that, and it surprises people because people look at the elves and they think, oh, they're really weak. They look like pixies and they'll die like pixies. But they uh, it's a nasty surprise when you you come into them and suddenly they've got two pikes yeah. behind them. I've, I've said yeah. it once and I've. Uh... I've said it once and I'll say it again. The hallmark of a good elf player is when they go in and use their two-handed weapons. Is that the only hallmark? Only hallmark. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Requires, requires good positioning and good setup to, to be able to afford yourself to go in two-handed. Yeah, look, if you're going in two-handed with an elf, you're winning the game. I, I think that's true of the vast majority of the time. Because you, you're not going in when you're going to lose, so it's it's a win more. And when elves, yep. what it does is it gets rid of your your well one of your weaknesses. One of your weaknesses is that that your killing is not that reliable compared to some other things. But suddenly that just makes it really reliable to just do the damage when you need to. No, you can't pierce on them, but you can faint on them. So you're getting a significant amount more wounds on them when you're doing it. And I think the key for elves is. When you've got that three attacks to, to one or two, you can afford to have one of them as a two-handed weapon. And that that's just really nasty. When you've got that luxury that you're outnumbering in attacks with an elf army, you're probably winning the vast majority of your, your fights. Like 80% of your fights, you're winning. And worse that happens is you're losing a guy, a wood elf that's defense three anyway. He's going to die anyway. Who cares? So you might as well go aggressive with him if he's got the backup. Nice. Very nice list. So, Kylie, I think you've got a 750-point yeah. list. Is that right? Let's go. I do. So, the first thing I want to say before I send my list out is this is this is what we like, I like to call the nuts and bolts. There, there are things that you can easily chop and change in this list to, and add stuff out of the way. But, you know, I'll, I'll dive straight into it. So, in Warband 1, uh, we have Celeborn with Heavy Armor, Shield, Elven Maid, Power and a Half Sword. He is leading four Galadrim Warriors with Shield, one Galadrim Warrior with Banner, Shield, and Spear, and nine Guards of the Galadrim Court. In Warband number 2, we have Rumel. He's leading three uh, Galadrim Warriors with Shield and Spear, and five Galadrim Warriors with Shield. And finally, in Warband number three, we have Haldir with Heavy Armor and Elf Bow, and he is leading five Galadrim Warriors with Bow, three Galadrim Warriors with Shield and three Spear, and three Wood Elf Sentinels. Mm. So what I mean by nuts and bolts is that Caliborn and Galadriel are really easily interchangeable in this list. So you can swap Caliborn out for Galadriel in a pinch. It, it, it doesn't change the overall composition of the list. And particularly that, that last uh, entry, the, the three Wood Elf Sentinels, uh, basically you're 75 points of flex. So you can either trade one Sentinel in for another banner, you can trade a couple of Sentinels in and, you know, take in take three Cav. Uh, you can decide to trade all three Sentinels in and bring your model count up to 41. So there are things you can do with your list to help um, help yourself in certain situations where you need it, and that's kind of kind of what this list is designed to do. Is it's designed for you to kind of figure out what you need for a particular tournament, like, like nuts and bolts wise, 
And then the whole list kind of works around that core. That core warband composition is where the list really is. The, the kind of little bit of extra pieces is how you want to particularly play the list and kind of the nuances for it. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, Kyle, I've got one question about this list. Are your Galadrum yeah. Court metal or resin? Uh, they're all metal. Okay, that's why you've that's, got nine. That's, that's why there's nine. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Because I thought that's really, really <laughs> mean for someone who wants to buy this list and go, yeah, I'll get two packs and get eight. That's like old school Games Workshop scenarios where every you got the, the pack number, they always want one. So you bought a pack of, of, of three or whatever it is, medals, and they always said you need four for the scenario. You're pulling that on our listeners. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm old school. I've got, I've got three packs of uh, the Gladiator Port Guard, so they're all metal for me. Oh, you're lucky. So the, good, the, good, spears, good. the spears don't break. Yeah. But yeah, so as, as we were kind of like talking about earlier with um, the idea of macro L's, this is kind of what what this part of this list is, is designed to be. It's designed to put as many Galadrum on the table as possible with, with still having enough, you know, in there to, to kind of flex and, you know, have enough tricks up your sleeve to be able to manipulate your opponent. So that's, that's kind of where I see this, this list is going. I played this list the other day too, um, against a friend of ours and it absolutely dominated. Like you, you get, you get Caliborn and Rimmel or even just, Galadrum, defensive Galadrum into a choke point with pike support, they will they will sit there for the rest of the game. Mm. There is very little that is going to stall out and breach through fight six Galadrum. You're looking at characters like Azog, Bog, Troll Chieftains to really, really punish this list and, and actually cut through the Galadrum. But that's the great thing is you've got models like Rumel, Haldir, and Caliborn that are really good at tanking and stalling out those characters like your Azolts, like your Troll Chieftains, like Dragons. And that's that's what I absolutely love about the, the Galadrium is the fact that the heroes are there to stall whilst the uh, the troops are there to position and grind it out. Mm, yeah, you know, I, I like this list. I think it's a good it's a good way to, to build off it if you're going for the armored version of it. So you can you can play around with it, but the heroes are all really solid. Uh, they are. You've got no march, which is can be a disadvantage, but you could easily swap one of those heroes out for, say, a, exactly. a, a, a captain on a horse, which, which would be my go-to. I would probably look at... In this army, I think Caliborn at a pinch can play the tank role, so I would be looking at Rumil swapping out for a, a mounted captain, but that's just my own choice. Yeah, yeah. And, and on the same token, um, personally, I'd prefer to have the Sentinels spread out in the deployment. I'd rather have one in each warband than all three in one, but that's just that's personal preference. I'm glad you mentioned that, Maddie, because I have deliberately left space in each warband to spread <laughs> the uh, Sentinels out. <laughs> Very nice. Kylie, yeah, so like this, this is lots, lots, lots of space yeah, and flexibility. <laughs> Nuts and bolts Galadrium. This this is I think a really good starting point for anyone who wants to build a Galadrium force because it's got everything, uh, all the core stuff you need, and then it's just uh, you know trading out little bits and bobs to to deal with either scenarios or opponents' forces that you know you're going to deal with. Because uh, I think if you're playing this in a tournament, you probably drop maybe a Sentinel, maybe two, even to get like a banner, some cab. You would definitely swap out a room or a Haldir depending on your personal preference. For, for that captain like you were talking about earlier, Jer Jeremy, just to get that march in there. But, yeah, lo lo lots of options. Love the defense six, uh, fight six combos you can do with the list. Yeah, it's a very nice. Very, very good yeah. generic one and a good basis for our listeners. It's got all the, the key parts for, for Gladrum. 
Matt, you should do a list. We've been taking them all. I should. I haven't had a chance yet. It's interesting that Kylie has just put forth her nuts and bolts list because th th this is actually my screws and washers list. Ooh, ooh, That's ooh, what I've come up with here. Yeah. So um, well, I've got 800 points, pure Lothlorien. Uh, I'm going to lead with it. I'm going to say 41 models at 800 points, I think is excellent for yes. So yes, I'm very, yes, very yes, happy yes. with it. Yeah. So... Uh, led by Galadriel for that lovely blinding light. I've chosen not to take her mirror. I'm not sure if any of us actually are going to take her mirror. Shh, don't but give it if away. You maybe, did want maybe. To, maybe, maybe. But if, if you did want to, because this is, of course, the screws and washers list, you could simply drop a couple of other models, get in that 25 points. I, I don't think it's necessarily worth it in the way that I've designed this list, but it's always an option. Okay, she is leading six Galadriel warriors with shield, Five Galadrim Warriors with Shield and Spear, and one Galadrim Warrior with a Banner, Shield, and Spear. She also has with her six Guards of the Galadrim Court. So not quite as many as Kylie, but certainly enough to uh, cause a fuss amongst your opponent's heroes. In Warband 2, we have Haldir with Heavy Armor and Elf Bow. Big Bad War Haldir. He's going to be firing those two shots. He's going to be going in and striking. He's going to be doing Haldir things. He has with him the Firing Squad, eight Galadrim Warriors with Elf Bow, along with three Galadrim Warriors with Shield and four Galadrim Warriors with Shield and Spear. So that's two maximum Warbands. Uh, big Elf numbers. That's what we like to see. Finally, in Warband 3, we have... Oh, my personal favourite. A Galadrim captain on armoured horse with a shield and an elf bow because I'm, I'm pretty sure he's an expert, right? Yes, he's definitely yes. an expert. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And he has with him five Galadrim knights with elf bow and shield. So there's your little flanking force. There's your disruption. There's your you can't just come at me how you want to. I have a huge number of bows in this. I'm going to say... 13 bows plus Haldir. Ah, oh, man. I, I really love this force because that blinding light is going to be so nasty for my opponent, and I have lots of tricks to get around them and do nasty things to them. Mm, mm. I I only have one criticism so far. One criticism. Yep, go on. Where's your Sentinel? Oh, we don't need him. <laughs> Kylie, this is where you drop a Gladrum Knight or whatever if you really want a Sentinel in there. I think... Matt, yeah, Matt's don't need any... We're only the purest blood elves in my list. No filthy wood elves. Yep. Matt's provided a good option for it <laughs> if you weren't going to take the Sentinels, Kylie, because I know that a lot of people don't have the models and don't have options for it. So I think this is a good way of doing it because you've got the you've got the Galadrim Court. You've got Galadriel doing spell stuff if you need to, to move things around. But this army, it's, it's classic elves where you're creating this blinding light force where you force your opponent to come at you. And the numbers are really, really nice. So, so they're just going to break on your walls. It's going to be looking at that scene from the Last Alliance where... The, the uh, the orcs come running and then the elves just all bring out their swords and chop them up as they come oh, in. It's, it's swing. It's it's a pretty pretty decent fighting force. It's not very hero centric in terms of the fighting because Galadriel's probably not going to do much fighting unless it's a uh, like one of those um contests of champions where you have to get her in with a whole bunch of friends and a couple parks behind her and hope that she can wound something. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but uh, other than that, you, you've got to just you're relying on the elf wall and. When you've got Defense 6, it's pretty reliable. Uh, once again, I notice I think we've all gone for one or, in Kylie's list, zero banners, and it feels like that's a that's the amount no, of elves. I had a banner on my list. Your 300 didn't, those. Ah, yes. Yeah, so, okay, so, yeah, in all our uh, major ones, it, 
I think that's probably right. Like I haven't seen any two banner ones. I might be tempted in this one just because of the amount of models. I might mm. be tempted to drop mm. a knight for another banner, maybe. Um, and I know that you have to drop another model somewhere or, or move something around. But just because this army is so big that you might actually end up fighting on two fronts. So that that's probably the only one I've been tempted so far to fight with, with multiple banners. And, and because you've got the lack of heroes, your warriors are doing all the work. Uh, so that that's... Well, Heldy can do some. Heldy's pretty nice. And the Gladium Captain's no slouch, but... Once again, two two fighting heroes at 800 points is not a huge amount. But I, I like yeah, this army. I'll it, definitely play it. It's certainly the... It's warrior-centric. It's certainly a warrior-centric force. As I feel elves should be, honestly. You can certainly get the job done with them. And this isn't an avoidance army. This isn't a uh, force things to come to you army. This is a yeah very classic elf army, I feel. This is the perfect for the... Um, oh, we're playing on a bowling green, are we? Uh, too bad. I'm throwing down this army. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Yeah, if your scene doesn't have a lot of uh, terrain, this is this is the army you want to be playing. Indeed. And they can still make fantastic use of forests with those especially with the fleet foot. Mm, yeah, yeah, no, you've got you've got some options as well. Uh, they can always make use of the forest, but this one yeah, out of all of this so list. far, if you saw that ter- no terrain board, you probably go, yeah, oh, I'm yeah. okay with that. I can live with that. Whereas my army list, for example, with the the wood elves and the um, I'd have to be on my game to to be able to cope with that because I'm relying on bottlenecks and, and terrain and, and movement and all that sort of stuff, whereas you can just plonk them down and just say, come at me. Absolutely. Ooh, cool. Well, let's go into some allies. I feel like this army list lends itself really well to alliances because uh, there's lots of cool stuff in the list that you want to use, and there's lots of allies for good that you can use. So I think, uh, Matt, are you going to start us off with the allies? Let's go two in a row. Yeah, I might go, let's go two in a row. Yeah, why not? So I, I've dropped it back, scaled it back to 750 points, and I've actually gone with the Defenders of Helm's Deep legendary legion because uh well in terms of allies they're not actually allying but it's it's a really cool little theme and personally my favorite battle in in the lord of the rings uh maybe next to one that's less well known in erebor but um yeah one of my absolute favorite battles and i think the movie did it pretty well so i have with me uh theoden king of rohan of course he has to be the leader here i've given him the shield that you have the option for uh he also comes with heavy armor he is leading one Rohan Royal Guard with banner and throwing spears, and 11 Rohan Royal Guard in addition with throwing <laughs> spears also. Yep. So I've really gone full on. This is the King's Guard, and they're going to put in work. For, uh, second, in Warband 2, we have Aragorn Strider with armor. This is the might source in the army. At 750 points, you're going to need some decent might, and Aragorn's definitely one for it. He has four Warriors of Rohan with bow. Four Warriors of Rohan with Throwing Spears and Shield. One Warrior of Rohan just with a shield. That was to fill out the points. And five Galadrim Warriors with Elf Bows. So a good mix there, I feel, of bows, throwing spears, the ability to support, and Aragorn, of course, being able to move around quickly and do funky things. And finally, we have Haldir with Elf Bow and Heavy Armor, War Haldir. He gets his bonus when he's in range of both, of either of Theoden or Aragorn, so he's basically always going to have it in this army. He comes with four Warriors of Rohan with Throwing Spears and Shield, four Galadrim Warriors with Elf Bow, and four Galadrim Warriors with Shield. So, 
What I've done with the forces, I've just tried to really mix it up between Aragorn and Haldir, where the elves are. You've got fight three, four, and five, so you can really take advantage of where you particularly need either fight four or fight five in the force. Like, you might, might be able to um, chop and change that and find the right place to put those. Uh, the Warriors of Rohan are actually, like, really nice as, in terms of, like, cheap supports that you can throw in with the elves to actually do some nice like blocking movements um I, I think i've aside from a handful that have bows i've given basically everybody a shield so yeah the, I, I, there's a lot of attack potential in this army and you know what 750 points it comes to 41 models again and in fact an identical number of bows to my uh to my pure elven force although uh, i think about oh, a handful of them are Ro warriors of rohan with bow but they do have 30-inch range on them, which is absolutely bonkers. Um, can Could make or break, you know, it could, could be a potential extra turn of shooting over your opponent, which is massive. I, I think it's actually a really nice Legendary Legion. should be a lot of fun. One of the other things the Legendary Legion has is when the Force breaks, uh, all the Warriors get plus one courage. So, you know, that's a cool little bonus to have. Does the, uh, does the, the list have fight and ranks? Yes, it does. So all of those throwing ah. spears you're seeing are yeah, 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 yeah. spears as well. Yeah, yeah. so th there's so. a lot of attacks here. There's a lot of synergy with elves in the front or in the back. The Rohan Royal Guard can support and the Warriors of Rohan can support. Yeah, it's it's actually even nastier than it looks on paper because of that Legendary Legion. It's nasty. This is I'm impressed with this, Matt. I didn't realize you can get all this stuff mm. in it. 41 models when you've got all this... like. Just throwing Aragorn into a 41 model army is, is pretty big. You've got yeah. so many throwing spears that you're probably going to run out of things to throw them at. So this is this is my kind of army. I love this sort of... It feels like a heavy avoidance army. Royal Guard is the main throwing weapon, guys. means that you can play almost a Grimhammer tactic where you just get in close and just like taunt them forward. Come at me, come at me, come at me. And then you get to hit them really, really hard. I love the synergy between Haldir and Thaden and Aragorn. That's really cool. And having Haldir is just that that almost like throw him out who cares model is it's really cool as well so from a theme point of view for it's, it's really good and and look I, I was thinking about things to change i love that little sidekick that aragorn's got i can't remember the name of it um but other than that uh yeah yeah Haleth, I, I actually looked at i looked at both of those two and i actually was more excited about the other guy the old man with the lucky shot <laughs> um <laughs> But uh, yeah, he, he actually would be great. Initially, I was looking at the points and I was thinking, okay, well, I know I want to take Theoden and Haldir. I have to take Theoden and I definitely want to take Haldir. I didn't think I'd be able to fit Aragorn in. So mm. then when I went, oh, okay, well, I need a third hero. Who am I going to get? I just started at the top with Aragorn and it just worked. And I just went with it. But, um, and you can see, you know, we've got three basically for war. Theoden can fit more models, but it's essentially a full warband in the old rules. Those cheap independent heroes come in at 20 and 30 i think 20 for the the shooty guy 30 for the other young guy with the uh the busted the, the busted the the dinted sword mm. um the very fine sword yes, yes 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 uh you can you can throw him in there he can do some cool stuff absolutely you'd only need to drop a couple elves, models couple yeah. of men maybe yeah. a royal guard or something like that and an elf who, who knows but I, I that would be my my only suggestion if I was going to play this list, which which I actually really want to. This one this one's got piqued my interest more than the others, and I would definitely find a place for him as well because it's cool as well to include him. But also just the what he yeah. does to Aragorn means it's, that you've it's got just, 
There's such a cool Aragorn list. It's just the fact that there's there out of the forty-one models in this list, thirty-eight of them have ranged weapons. Like mm. that's, that's that's ludicrous. Like, I was honest, channeling my my inner corsair when I wrote this. Yeah. Honestly, honestly, I think Aragorn not having a, a bow either is probably a good thing because it means you can keep him moving up and down the line, uh, and getting him to where he needs to be. You know, marking every other turn, and that that's that's the real kind of kick in your teeth, like. To beat this list, you would need to fully surround it, prevent its retreat options, because all you need is to make sure there's a gap behind Aragorn at the, at the start of every turn, and Aragorn just goes, right, boys, heroic move, let's move six inches backwards. And then your opponent's just absolutely stuffed, because you've got that one-inch buffer zone after you've disengaged from a combat uh, at the end of the turn, and you run six inches, now they're seven inches away. You've got a full another volume coming at you, and That's right, you, 20 throwing spears to the face. Your mm. opponent's almost forced to counter every heroic move you get, you make each turn, and Aragorn's basically just buying you mites. He's just going, and here's another might point, and here's another might point. He just keeps making that might point differential uh, even bigger and bigger, more so than he would in any other list, I think. Mm. Yeah, and, and unlike a lot of other sort of heavy uh, avoidance armies, the defense isn't bad, so you're not really going to crumble in the way that a lot of those other things are going to. You can definitely take a charge. Just the, that compact mm. Rogard formation, like receiving your first charge, they're hard to move, and with throwing spears at a, a spears, that, that's incredibly nasty. You throw with the front rank and, and support the back rank. Kylie, I think in this one, Aragorn's set, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, but I think you have to take him with armor and you don't have a choice of the bow. Am I right with this one? That's right, yeah. Ah, he yes. just comes with the armor. Yeah, so yeah. this is because yeah. it's a legendary legion, you're pretty much the war gears to the theme. And I've got no issue with that either because I think that does really help your role. Like, I've talked about how I play Bolg before, where the bow's really cool, but I don't take it because I want him doing other things. This is the same thing. If Aragorn's standing back shooting, yeah, might-powered shooting's nice, but that's held his job. Cool list, Matt. Thank you, thank you. I was pretty happy with it. Um, shall we move on to the next one, Jeremy? Yeah, I think that's Kylie's next one, actually. I think I'm... Oh, Kylie's I, I want to bookend this one. I want to go to the end. Well, ah, fair yeah, enough. So we're, 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 up, we're, up, yeah, we're up to the, uh, I believe, the Allied Contingent fun stuff. So, I've, I've honestly, my, my list isn't really Allied Contingent. When you really come down to it, 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 it still functions exactly the same way as Galadrim does. So, in Warband number one, we have Glorfindel, Lord of the West, on Ashvalot with the armor of Gondolin. And that is just Warband number one. It's just, just Glorfindel by himself, you know, kicking around. Uh, in Warband number two, we have Celeborn, Heavy Armor, Shield, and Sword. He's leading three Galadrim warriors with bow, three Galadrim warriors with shield, one Galadrim warrior with banner, shield, and spear, and eight guards of the Galadrim court. In Warband number three, we have a Galadrim stormcaller, three Galadrim warriors with elf, bow, and three Galadrim warriors with shield and spear. And finally, in Warband number four, we have a Galadrim captain with horse, shield, and bow, and he is leading three Galadrim knights with bow and shield. Mm-hmm. You managed to get the Stormcaller in, Kylie. You are a, a woman of your word yes. there, I guess, because that's that's a model that stands out to me in this one. But I could see what you're planning with this one because you've got two of the biggest hitters in the game if they if they get souped up with the uh, the Stormcaller spell and also Caliborn spell. So you could have a really massive turn where the two of them go into a Balrog even and give it a run for its money. So that could be pretty scary. I could see that being useful. Glorfindel is everything Caliborn wants to be, isn't he? He really, really, really is. 
it's, it's, it's a little disappointing at times, but I really like Glorfindel as a uh, as an ally to the Galadrim, either with or without Caliborn. Hell, even at lower points, you can probably go Rune Mulhaldi and then ally in um, Glorfindel, because, because of the way the ally matrices work, you still get the resistance to magic on all your elves. And Glorfindel has the basically the, the souped-up version of resistance to magic, the uh, unbending resolve. So that makes him a really, really good uh, ally to the Galadrim. Uh, same with uh, Kirdan as well, if you can uh, finagle a way to get him in. I think, I think you can get him in. He's Fortitude. So you might be able to sneak him in as a sneaky ally into uh, the... Legend. Well, no, wait, he was FAQ to Minor Hero or something? Who are we talking about? Kiran. Kiran. Yeah, Kiran has got to have a babysitter. So, yeah. so Glorfindel is the perfect babysitter for an Alpha Lord like Kiran. Yes, so you could put in a, a Kiran in there uh, instead of the Corn Collar. Probably not a bad choice. Uh, but the, the idea of the list is you, you basically you soup up Glorfindel, you soup up the Gladium Captain, and you run in and you beat st stuff with a. Uh, Plus one to wound, re-rolling all failed attempts, uh, Elven Lords. So effectively a strength six Glorfindel and a strength six Captain. Very nasty stuff. You would 100% swap out, if you were going for this one for the maximum efficiency and you wanted to take this, you'd definitely swap the Stormcaller for Kirdan, wouldn't you? Cause that, 100%. Oh yeah, 20 points more, it's just so much better. Yeah, and then there's enough space in, say, like the Captain's Warband to like stick the remaining Gladrum, so... Yeah. Or you yeah, just you could... uh, look honestly, like what you could do is you drop the the warbands three and four there, Galadrim Stormcaller and Galadrim Captain on Armored Horse, and you actually ally in uh, Kirdan with a handful of Foot High Elves and a few Rivendell Knights instead. That's uh, true. No, I dis I, I disagree. I disagree. Uh, simply because they don't have resistance. Yeah. Magic. So you, you so it's purely keep... for the resistance. Yeah, you want to keep the resistance across your whole army because. One of the things that um, the resistance really does is it doesn't give you a weak point in your force. It doesn't give you a weak model that you can compel forward or, or your, for your opponent to gauge on. That is really important. It's it's kind of like uh, in the uh, Maddie when you were playing uh, a lot of Gilgalad in the old edition. I said give every model fight six so there's no weak point for like a fellow beast to run in on or something. That. If the same principle applies here, you want to make sure that every single model has that ability to resist because even just saying that to your opponent, hey, every single model in my army has resisted to magic, makes them double think what they're going to do. But if you say, oh, every single model in my army has resisted to magic, except for these two guys, then they go, right, those two are the guys that I'm going to pull forward and engage with my fellow beast, or those are the two guys I'm going to blast through your lines. When you have 100% of something, whether it be a gimmick, uh, like throwing weapons or whatever, like with Corsairs, it gives you something that your opponent has to play around. There's no counterplay option. There is no wriggle room. It is what it is. And that's that's why I really like this special rule in this list, because it makes everything really annoying to have to do it. And hell, it gives you gives you the option to block Nature's Wrath whenever and wherever in your list. There's always yeah, a 16% chance of failure for any of your opponent's spells. I do see what you're saying, but I'd like to remind you that I did only take about a third of my force with Fight 6 when I won Masters. 
Yes, but myself and Jeremy weren't at that tournament, so... Ah, <laughs> oh, you're right. You weren't there to fall beneath my elbow. I know, I know. I'm glad Matt was on fire that weekend. I'm glad I didn't have to run into him. He would have, been, would have embarrassed us, Kylie. But, um, Matt, I, I think that you've got a really good point. But this army, the way that Kylie set it up, it could be a Rivendell army straight out. Like, if you say Stormcaller is Kidan, uh, the Gladrum Captain, Caliborn, you mix them together, you either get Elrond or the Twins... And then you just fill up all these warriors with with high elves. Essentially, you're pretty much playing yeah. a high elf list, the, so it will work either way. There's a couple of little there's a couple of little differences. You've got the guard of the Gladrim Corp, which is a really key model there, and you've also got Caliborn. And something that he has that the others don't have is that immobilize that little immobilize that you can throw out. True. So you've got that. I I think there are some small differences there, but I do agree with you that you are running the risk of yeah. turning it into a mixed force when it could just be either pure Rivendell or pure Galadrim. But I think Honest, Kylie's Honest. right. The advantage is that you've got resistant to magic. So this one, the way Kylie's designed it, every single model's getting that at least one die to resist. So so yeah. you don't have that one model. You just go, oh, every model except this one can pal on this guy. Like it, it, you get. That. It, it is kind of yeah. It's kind of unfortunate that Kid and actually can't be done that way now. But it also I can understand it because that cheap blinding light is like a lot of people don't like it. it doesn't affect us too much. I feel, but I, I think. Yeah. Yeah, on, yeah, yeah. on less I mean, terrain filled yeah. boards. It one, can one, be other, one other, one other, quick thing I just want to uh, kind of slot in as a little gimmick uh, is is a little trick you can do with Caliborn uh, here. So you can remove Caliborn from the list and put in Galadriel with the mirror. Now you might be thinking, why would I want to do that? Why would you well, want to do that, Kylie? That's what I'm thinking. Why, well, yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to give you the answer. Oh, good, good, good. I thought you weren't. I thought you were setting it up to disappoint me. Glorfindel has Horselord. So you could effectively have a Glorfindel build that is pretty much impossible to dismount. You can't cast spells on him. You can't cast... It's very difficult to cast spells on other people to blast into him to get rid of his horse. You can't run in and brutal power attack to throw him off his horse because you can't target him with brutal power attacks. Good luck when you fight against him to like get a bash off. And good luck killing the horse because it's got three fate points that, are, uh, that get refreshed every turn. Mm, yeah, I can just imagine him, you know, running into combat and Asphaloth gets peppered with arrows and he, he goes, whoa there, boy, runs back out. Uh, you look a bit thirsty, heads over to the mirror for a drink. No, 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 yeah. the, the, there's two elves carrying the mirror behind him all, at all times, just running with it because it's, it's a heavy <laughs> object now, isn't it? So, like, That's right. yeah. quick, look at here, Glovinor, quick! <laughs> and honestly, that would probably make this list uh, better, in my opinion, if you just had a... Uh... Just had Galadriel instead of uh, Caliborn. I don't know. Galad Caliborn's a pretty good fighter. I love the double Lord of the West. I reckon that's yeah. really cool. But you still got the you still got the, the gimmick of the uh, Enchanted Blades. I don't know. There, there's some options there. If you want to do some uh, gimmicky stuff with the Mirror of Galadriel, look for Horse Lord Heroes because Glorfindel and Aragorn, key models to ally in with Galadriel. They, they one, love, one other problem. Love the one other problem with taking Galadriel is she would then have to be your leader for Contest of Champions, whereas ah. uh, here you can use Glorfindel. Yeah, that, ah. that's always the problem taking Galadriel, isn't it? Every single time you're like, mm. oh, Contest of Champions, damn it! You have to babysit her and what? hope to get a kill against the low defense guy. Just, just as an aside, like this is just a random thought I'm having literally just now. Uh oh. What could? Yeah, just. We're going into a bit of uh We didn't talk about uh, this, Kylie. This was a plan. This is, this, is, this is definitely a tangent moment. This is definitely a tangent moment. But I think it's well worth it because it'd be great. What I reckon would be cool with Galadriel is if she had a special rule 
that allowed her to transform into a lady of light form and transform her from a lady of light form back into a regular form. So you didn't have two separate profiles. You just had her gladial form and then her war aspect form. Kind of like Gladbion. Gladbion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. kind of like how you, you switch forms with Beyond. I would love that. You go from, from man to thing. Because I reckon that'd be really cool. You go from having a caster with like all the really good spells and then you go into into Lady of Light form where she's just unleashing everything. I reckon that could be a really cool thing. And then you could make like the 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 flail, the the pale or whatever it is. The, the little, you know, jewel thing that she gives to Frodo. You could turn that into like an extra upgrade option for her and stuff like that. I reckon there's some really cool stuff you could do with it. That would the be fire. Cool. Yeah. The fire yeah. 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 I reckon that could be a really cool option. And then you could have this like transform mechanic where you like you spend a will and like you turn into this crazy demon form and then okay you go all right I need my spells back you transform out of the crazy demon form into say uh, stuff and it'd be really cool if her heroic actions changed depending on which form she's in. Mm. So you go into a crazy form and she gets strike and like uh, defense and stuff, but you go back into a regular form. And <laughs> Challenge. She's got, the, the, she's got like uh, <laughs> she's got all her other ones. Yeah. I don't know. I just reckon that'd be a really cool idea. GW, get on that. Design team, get on that. They don't listen to this, Carly. No one's getting onto it. That's just your wish. Well, well, I'm hoping our listeners are going to annoy Jay with no, they're not. The no, they're not. They're, they're not. No, they're not. All right, that, that's that's enough wish listing. Let's let's get on to the last list. Yeah, here, the last list. This is a wish list at the moment. This one, what I've done here is I've gone for a thousand points. So I've got lots of room to spend. I've tried to highlight some of the, the synergies in the list, and I don't know how well I've done it, but I think it's a fun list nonetheless, and I think it's one that a thousand points you you get quirky lists. So I've gone for for the Lothlorien contingent. Galadriel is my leader because she's a hero of legend, a legendary leader. She's got the mirror here. So you can already see where this is going. She's going to be like looking in the mirror. Other people are going to be looking in the mirror. She's got the blessing of the valor. So she's giving out single points of fate to models and the mirror is refreshing models. She's, she's all about the fate. She's got a wood up warrior with banner, throwing daggers and spear. Seven wood up warriors with throwing daggers and spear. Three, uh, three Wood Elf Warriors with Bow and a Wood Elf Sentinel. So a bit of a Pajama Elf contingent that can fight around her and give her a, a spear support if she needs to, if she's doing a Contest of Champions. Oh, no, I hate that. I hate what the, don't, don't want to do that one with her. Warband 2 is Heldia with Elven Cloak and Bow. So once again, the Pajama Elf Heldia. Seven Wood Elf Warriors with Throwing Daggers and Spear. And four Wood Elf Warriors with Bow. So I've gone pretty pretty mono with my, my Wood Elf Warriors. I've gone for what I like to be the optimal choice with the either the Spear and Daggers or the Bow. So I've gone for lots of those. So they're my that's my main numbers. And with them, I've got a Fellowship contingent. So my next Warband is going to be uh, the Fellowship Warband. So it all comes in a single Warband. They're green allies, so I get all the special rules. Fellowship, that doesn't help me. But the, uh, the Lothlorien, it definitely helps me. I've got Aragorn with Elven Cloak and a bow. I've got Boromir with Elven Cloak. I've got Legolas with an Elven Cloak. And I've got Gimli with an Elven Cloak. And he's going to have some of Galadriel's hair. It doesn't show up at all in this army list, but he's going to have a few strands of it as well, just for just for the icing on the cake. So I've got this hero-heavy list. It's a fellowship list, essentially. Without the hobbits, chuck them out. Without Gandalf, he's been, uh, he's dancing with a Belrog at the moment. But I've got this this alliance about when they're going to get the gifts from Galadriel and suddenly they get ambushed by random goblins that got cut out from the movie and they're going to fight their way out of it. 
it's it's an avoidance list. It's a hero-heavy list, so it's going to be a lot of tech. It's going to be one of those ones, Kylie, that if you play well with it, it's going to be amazing. If you don't, it's going to fall apart really quickly. But you've got Aragorn's Unlimited Might. You've got Gimli and Boromir and, and Aragorn's ability to fight combats endlessly, essentially. You've got Legolas, which is good at shooting, and also the decent fighter. Haldir, who's good at shooting, who's a decent fighter. And then whenever they're losing fate, Galadriel's just pumping them up. If they need some blinding light, Galadriel's getting that going. If they need something commanded, Galadriel's doing the work there. It's got a bit of everything. Uh, the numbers are a bit low, 29 models at 1,000. But what can you do if I'm taking so many expensive heroes? You know what? In terms of like that number of models and the sort of support you want with a what is essentially a hero-heavy list, an almost maximum hero list... Um, what else do the job, don't they? Like, they really work around them very well. It's exactly the kind of thing you would, you would want, I'd imagine. And you're getting as much value out of the Mirror of Galadriel as you're probably ever going to get, despite the fact you have Boromir of Gondor. Yeah, I know, Boromir's the, the, the... I wish Blessing <laughs> of the Valor could give them the fate point if they didn't have one. That would be really cool. Cause that, that would be cool. That would make a difference and make that worth, worth casting. But, um, yeah, 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 Boromir... Boromir's just such a bargain anyway. If he dies, he dies. Like, he's... Yeah, having six yeah, points of might is like like if he's the weak point, I don't really care. So that that's all good. I've got the one sentinel. I've got Haldir able to use Aragorn as a banner, which is always good fun. So I've tried to to show off the the synergies there. Um, all resistant magic except for the fellowship component. Fellowship component doesn't get the bonus of Frodo being around because Frodo's well and truly hidden somewhere in in a tree or something. But uh, I, I've tried to tried to make it playable. Uh, Kylie, what do you think? Is this can I do anything with this one? Can you do anything with this one? He says, with an Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli, and Boromir. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you can do things with this list. This this list is, like, full meme mode. I absolutely love it. Uh, even Contest of Champions, I don't think you're too worried about. Because you can do this really kind of interesting formation where you, like, you put Galadriel as far back from the center of the board as you can. Mm. You put all your elves further back than her. And then you have Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli, and Boromir sit in front of Galadriel. Yep. And then you basically go, right, I'm going to kill your leader, and then I'm going to get a kill with Galadriel. One kill, yep. <laughs> and if there's ever going to be a bodyguard for Galadriel in your army, yeah, Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli, and uh, Boromir is... Uh, that's right up there. Like, you can do some really cool stuff. I love how you didn't take the armor because you're like, you can just refresh the fate point so you don't really you don't really even need it. Plus also the theme. At this point, they wouldn't have had the armor. That's what they put on at Helm's Deep. So it just worked both ways. Because I actually, I do want to use that mirror. So I would love it if Legolas takes a, uh, a wound or two occasionally. And he does. Like, Legolas gets chip damage. But if you're going against one-on-one, -on -one, who cares if you lose it? Haldir as well. Haldir might cop a wound now and then, but he'll get his fate back. Uh Gimli, Gimli. Sorry, tank. just really random question. Mm. Um, can Galadriel give her that fate point from her spell out? So a model that has zero fate. I don't believe so. Let me just double check that one. So, because I want to check that because that would be a yeah. really meme no. way of getting. Yeah, we were actually just mentioning that, and I don't believe that's the case. No, you can um, replenish if it's a cavalry model. You can choose up or down, but it's one friendly model. What she can do is give that to herself. As well, so if she wants to be the tank, she could possibly cast that on herself whilst the, uh, the mirror works on something else. Because the mirror only does one hero at the yeah one friendly hero as well. So basically, what you could do is um, 
in a turn, if it's a really nasty turn, one hero refreshes to full starting points, and she can cast them and get one to someone else. You can also channel it for D3, but that seems really a, a poor choice and a desperation choice if you have the mirror around. It really lets you take some risks, doesn't it? It's very interesting the way that you can play around that. Because you essentially have, you know, an extra couple of free wounds on your heroes potentially every turn. What it means cool. is when, you know, that sometimes you spend all your might to win a combat because you're like, I really just don't want to take a wound. So Legolas is the prime example of this. How often do you have mm. Legolas with, like, two goblins fight him and he loses the fight? You just go, I just can't afford to lose a whole bunch of resources. Spend my might. In this one, you can yeah. just say, you know what? You've got two attacks coming at me. I'm sitting here with three fate and some might. Go at me. See what you can do. And then you just throw, <laughs> yeah. throw all three fate and see if you can save them. And if you can't, you use your might to bump them up. Obviously, you're rolling them one at a time and all that sort of stuff. But it means that you can be probably a bit more aggressive in this army than you normally would. And I, I kind of like that. I like that these, these uh, fellowship heroes are really going to fight for the Lady Galadriel and, and protect her. And then the Wood Elves are doing typical Wood Elf things. They're dancing around, throwing spear supports behind the heroes, being opportunistic, uh, just peppering with throwing daggers and, and the bows. So they've all got shooting weapons and, and away you go. You've got, you've got an army that doesn't need to engage because you've got blinding light and all the throwing weapons and all the bows. And then when it does engage, you've got a wall of, of like five fighting heroes and backed up by a Galadriel. Yeah, for sure. It's really cool to be able to get the maximum out of that mirror. I, I like the way that you've done it and especially because you've actually kept it within a theme as well. So awesome. Mm, mm, that's what I do. That's my... That's my <laughs> that's my that's my mode of operation. Always go for the theme. Try and take the the nastiest stuff you possibly can under the guise of being being a theme. Well, that pretty much covers everything. Then that's that's a wide variety of lists. There we've gone from the absolute minimum of three hundred all the way up to a thousand there, and I think a lot of different ways to run Galadrim. Uh, I'm certainly a little bit surprised by a couple of these lists, and we hope that we've given you a lot of food for thought and a lot of. Uh, thoughts on how you can run Galadrim in the future. Mm, that was a fun episode, and uh, look, let's 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 close it out. That was that was a really good one. Not as long as our six-hour epic, but I felt like we got a good amount of detail there. Absolutely, yeah. So please remember, traps win games. Thank you for listening to the Green Dragon Podcast. The Green Dragon Podcast discusses tabletop wargaming using the Middle-Earth strategy battle game rules for Games Workshop. We have no affiliation with Games Workshop, Warner Brothers, New Line, Tolkien Enterprise, or anyone else involved in Tolkien's universe. We're on our own. Thank you to our patrons for your support. You can become a patron at www.patreon.com slash thegreendragonpodcast. You can contact us via our Facebook page at The Green Dragon Podcast, or... On our email, thegreendragonpodcasts at gmail.com. Not so sure about that plural. This podcast is for entertainment, so please take it that way. Farewell, listener. The road goes ever on and on.